The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. We're back! Indeed, your eyes and ears do not will not deceive you because the Voltron has returned. Unbelievable! <laughs> Bet, I was maybe. about to say yes. They, I was like, uh, do you have the Voltron sound effect? I'm, I was dead, just I'm, I'm like, did I put it away? Oh my god, I should have dug it out just for the occasion. I thought you had. Oh my goodness, I I I fl- I, I, fl- I I dropped the ball on that one, folks. I dropped the ball. Oh wait, hold on. Form feet. There we go. Form arms and body. There we go. And I'll form the head. There we go. Look at that. <laughs> we still got to contend with YouTube. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought I was talking over it. Yeah, I know. All right. But yes, folks, uh, I am your host, Rydercat. You can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. Oh, there we go. And the sound effects you've heard come from another than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. And of course, back with us, one PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, Pop Culture Network on Twitter, Pop Culture Net on Twitter and popculturenetwork.com and all the umbrella sites they're in. And give out, give yourself some plugs there, Dirt. What, yeah. what, what the things that we are missing? I, I don't have plugs. This is all real hair. And last, yeah, I don't know. You can just just Google stuff. You'll find me somewhere. I'm sure. There it is, and I'm sure we got some stuff in the show notes of of something uh, other than the other stuff we mentioned. But last, and definitely never, never, ever, at least. One Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. Uh, uh, go ahead and say you, and I'll give you the rest. Later. Give the rest after you speak. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. So he said, "Well, you can find me Tim D O double G nine eight on Twitter, uh, comicbook.com writer, covering comics, movies, TV, all that good stuff. It's good to be back with my fellas. Five hundredth episode. Y'all got me up." At ten o'clock at night. <laughs> You're welcome. I guess it's not. It was nine minutes from ten Eastern there we time. Go. You gonna turn there into a go. pumpkin? Look at that. <laughs> Nothing on my mind, but Georgia. we ain't playing with you. There's a sound drop for you, Tim. But I'm glad to be back. 
Indeed. So for real quick, however many minutes you have me. Yeah, indeed. So real quick, uh, you can find his this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your uh, podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Cold Slow the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um, so since we, I guess we kind of teased and started there, let's go get back into. We kind of did this for the 400th episode, but we, we we'll, we'll continue this line of going back through the history of the show. We're at 500 episodes now. It started with the man Tim down there, down here. Uh, I guess from over there, from me in the in the in the uh, in the Georgia, yeah, exactly. And this is OBS. I got me messed up now, but um, you know, started with him and all of this, and started with the uh, uh, with him, and then these other two fellas came came along with the H seventy and Dirt, and also we had uh, Classic for a minute uh, in the early yes. days. Yeah, it started from the uh, the roots of uh, the Colts Slither Podcast Network. That's correct. Yeah, we've had plenty of guest stars and frequent guest appearances on the show. Matt Wang, who will be joining us later. Uh, William Bruce West, gotta mm. shout him out. Those are the, the two that immediately come to mind, along with uh, Classic, mm-hmm. Mr. Wrestling Announcer, Promoter, whatever he does now. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's living he's living the good life, man. Yeah, Doing really. a ring announcing? My goodness. Yeah, really. And actually I started out as kind of a guest appearance of a sort. I was coming in every now and then uh when I could. And now I end up hosting the show. How did that happen? I don't know. But um but yeah, we've we've, we've had uh a lot of times I wish I had put together like a clip reel, but we don't we're just not necessarily right, right, right. So I guess you know, one thing that we talked about in 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 our kind of our green room preparation for the show is kind of going over now we've officially been doing this for in excess of 10 years and where we've come from over those 10 years like where we started you know you know where we started where we are now you know how it's kind of evolved over that time and uh you know lots of things have changed from technology to how we interact with it to you know the time we spend reading comics or even if we're still collecting comics so i wanted to just touch on a few of those topics uh, right here at the top with the uh, the Voltron formed again. And, uh, you know, I, I, what, I'll, what I'll start with is how, you know, we've evolved as fans, fans of pop culture and fans of comic books. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on this. I will say that, uh, you know, I was very much, you know, an American comic book fan. I loved comic book art. Uh, you know, art was always my uh, the the what I always stressed when we talk, started talking about books, and you know, I started talking about you know the credits of you know who the artist was, who the colorist was, and I'll tell you that over time I've grown more. Obviously, you know, having access to review copies and being able to read and kind of forcing myself to read other books gave me a greater appreciation for comic book storytelling not just graphic storytelling but you know actual stories so i know i can tell you i evolved that way in terms of um you know my my fandom uh in comic book in, in a comic book way and also 
for fans of the show, at least of a more recent vintage, I've also become, you know, I've, I've gone on an anime journey over the last several years. So after, you know, when I say several years over the last, you know, two plus years during the course of the pandemic. So I've definitely evolved over the course of these uh, 10 years and, you know, gained, you know, a greater appreciation for comic book storytelling and broadened my horizons when it, my horizon, when it comes to, uh, you know, some of the other elements of pop culture. How about you guys? I definitely read a lot less than I did back in my heyday of, uh, consuming, uh, comics. So, a lot of aside from just being older and having life commitments and yada 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 stuff, uh, it's also too much stuff to keep up with. I can't watch and read everything. Mm-hmm. That's my old man gripe for tonight. <laughs> Wait, we. I was about to say, you know, I actually have a sound drop for that, and you may recognize it, you may not. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. I drop that one on a weekly basis. So wait, is that is that Lethal Weapon two? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I say I just watched all four of those over the last uh, three months. So uh, what brought that yeah. on? Uh, I actually we were talking. Okay, so before the show started, we were talking about how I bought a bunch of physical media. I still right. go out and buy other dump bins, and I was in a Dollar General, I think, and they had the four pack blu-ray for like eight bucks mm-hmm. of the uh lethal weapon movies and so i was like well that's something that i definitely have to take home with me because it's all four of those movies on blu-ray for eight bucks that's a that's a must buy i think i bought that from best buy for probably the same price or maybe a little more which kind of annoys me <laughs> well and it's, and it's like in a little book it's, yep. it's like a nice uh it almost looks like a tiny paperback or hard hardback i mean uh, with the the four movies in there, and it's got little production notes and stuff, and it's like a neat little package that was obviously much more money when it came out. Sure, um, but yeah, physical media is dying off, and I'm just happy to grab it and cheap prices and throw it on my shelf. Are you doing it just so that you can look at it and see it? Are you setting up like a Zoom background or? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's it's a little uh, too. It started when the office um, became the tug of war um, for the streaming services between like Netflix and Peacock and mm-hmm. everything like that. And so um, I I realized I needed to own a copy of the office and just have it. So no matter where it would end up at some point in the future, I would still be able to watch it. So Office, Parks and Recreation, Deep Space Nine, The Blacklist, um, you know, Millennium. Um, there's a bunch of TV shows that I just have to own copies of. So no matter where they end up in the future, I'm still able to watch them. Oh, no, and me... so yeah. it just kind of spiraled out of that. So every so often I'm out somewhere and I just see, you know, Big Lots, uh, Dollar Tree, um, family Dollar, Dollar General, which um, my son will either call Family General or Dollar Dollar, um, <laughs> either store. You know, we just walk in and you just see those DVDs that just kind of flip through and it's like, okay, five bucks, eight bucks. You know, you go through them and you're like, uh, yes, this, this I'm going to take home and keep because I want to make sure that at some point in the future, when this gets yanked off the streaming service, I'm still going to mm-hmm. be able to watch it, you know, because that's that's the new 
war that's happening out there sure. stuff just disappears one day and you're like wait i bought this off a streaming service I, I remember this is in my digital library and they're like oh yeah well we didn't license all the music on it so you know we can't let you stream it anymore it's like but i i paid money for it and they're like yeah well it's gone sorry gotcha you know. gotcha follow-up question on that and then i'll let roddy cat answer um did any of you guys actually start to get rid of your physical media at the beginning of the streaming wars or, you know, or, or when like streaming starts to become really prevalent because you thought, Oh, it's always going to be available on streaming. And then we discovered that was not the case because I held on to my uh, physical media. So all my Blu-rays, even though they've probably haven't been cracked open in ages, they're still there. They're still on a shelf. Yeah. I haven't gotten rid of any media, but I'm also, haven't been looking to purchase any either right that's that's kind of the boat i'm in yeah i kept all mine too as a matter of fact i think i've told you just behind the scenes a, a few different times like i've ripped a lot of my stuff to a server to mm-hmm. uh, to kind of keep a you know keep a physical copy and a digital copy uh but i still have the physicals so gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. yeah i was gonna say that was one thing that i did is i i made uh backups of a bunch of things and then depending on how much i actually liked uh, the product I may or may not have kept the original uh, after I made my backup copy. Um, so, gotcha. That happens. Gotcha. I was about to say I can I can transition over into comic book stuff. Um, you know we've we we've seen the changes in the comic book marketplace over the last ten years. Uh, I think the 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 fear of digital comics was overblown. I don't think that led to uh the 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 loss of comic book shops per se i think there are other factors with that but i don't think digital comics led to any sort of you know premature death of uh, of physical comics but i can tell you that life happens decisions get made and surprise surprise you know uh, of the of the members of the panel that had pull lists i am no longer one of them and this happened over twenty, you know, in the last year. But I was a long time pull lister for you know many many moons, uh, and it just you know got to be it got to me it got to the point where I, I wasn't happy doing it. So um, I know that's that's been one change uh, in terms of um, you know my reading habits and my collecting habits for comics. How about everybody else in terms of comics specifically? Don't all answer at once. Okay, all right, all right. Um, I was about to say, you know, I, I got the cricket sound effect. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of went the opposite. I started to do the same way you did, where I'm. I said, you know, I've got digital. I don't need print. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything I was doing was more digital, and I would only get print of a few things, just because I'd been collecting them for so long. Right. So it just felt like I still needed to have those things because I always got those things. Um, but then as time went on, I began to realize that I really appreciated reading physical matter hmm. a lot more. Um, and so actually, the other thing is that I live in a town that has three comic shops. I know people at all three comic shops. I've worked at two of the three uh, over the years. And the the third one, as a joke, the guy just went ahead and made me an employee of his on Facebook. So it looks like I worked there. So um, I have pull lists at all three 
um, mm. shops. I go to all three shops every week. Um, I will order things out of the catalogs and special order stuff at each shop every week. Um, so I'm, I'm like the opposite now. Um, my, my to read list, my uh, to read pile right now is a short box and a half of books sitting next to me, all bagged and boarded. And I just slowly, you know, work on it. And I even have, uh, books and magazines and stuff that I've ordered. I've got, um, stuff that I've, you know, kickstartered, um, that is sitting here that the blue screens, uh, out of the pictures. And I mm-hmm. can't even see it. Um, uh, but trust me, there, there's a book here. I, it, it exists. Um, awesome. so anyway, uh, so yeah, so like I've, I've got tons of stuff, uh, physical, um, that just keeps like adding up and adding right. up and I still can't that's what, I was going to say, that's my fear is that I've gotten to the point where I'm like, why am I putting this stuff? Why am I adding to the, not cl- it's not clutter. I'm fortunate. I'm blessed that it's not clutter. And I'll throw before I, before I, I prod Roddy Cat and Tim with the, you know, with this, with this question, I'll throw in, uh, my, sp- my, my binge on Marvel legends over the pandemic. Because I went nuts, like buying waves of Marvel Legends. I was like, hey, I've got all this time. I'm going to get all these Marvel Legends. You know, these toys, these online toy stores want to give me, you know, great deals. And Amazon is cutting prices. This is all earlier in the pandemic. So, but I started to cut back because I ended up buying a lot of the figures I really wanted. And I'm starting, we're starting to get to like the ones where I'm like, I don't really care about these. So you, you don't want Sentry? I have one version of Sentry. I don't need more, you know. But I I will say one thing. I um, another thing that's happened the last few years is I've gotten back into doing art more than I used to. Um, That was something like I actually went to college for illustration, Um, so that was my major was fine arts. And so in the last few years, I've gotten back into like three D modeling. I've gotten back into um, doing a lot with like alcohol markers and coloring and, and that kind of stuff. And so I do have a lot of action figures I picked up over the years. Some I picked up at cons. Some I used to do a lot of toy reviews, so I got a lot in the mail just to do reviews of and stuff. And I will say that having those around is really great when you're doing art and doing stuff like that, just to right. you know set them up and, and draw from and get some inspiration sure. from. Exactly. Like um, and so there's sometimes my wife will come down and she's like, are you, are you, are you playing? And I'm like, no, 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 this is, this is research. I'm, I'm setting up an art project. Is, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out the physics of something here, you know. Um, <laughs> Body positioning, right. It's anatomy, right. It's an anatomy uh, study. Yeah. So I, but, but I am, I'm at the point now in the last year, I'd say less eight months to a year, I have been slowly going through and calling some of the stuff out, some of the comics, some of the toys, some of the stuff that has built up. Um, some of it is pandemic stuff, but some of it goes back way before the pandemic of stuff sure. that I have built up where it's just like, okay, some of the stuff has been sitting in boxes for more than two years now. It's probably a fair bet. I really don't need it. I'm not going to do anything with it. I had it at one point because I thought maybe I was going to do a video on it and I'm really not doing a lot of videos anymore. So it's probably time to get rid of some of this stuff. So, um, I am trying to clean some of that stuff out of the house and, and, you know, get rid of some of that, that it is clutter at this point with a lot of it, just because it is taking up space. But there's some stuff that I just will never get rid of. You know, there's just some things and, um, 
just certain figures, certain characters, um, any comic book that has Pariah on it, I got to keep it just because. Oh no! Not crying, Pariah. All right, folks. If you if you got your your comic book chronicles bingo card, Pariah, you can check that one off, and Century because that one keeps coming back up. Right. I'm, I'm we, trying to throw out there anything I can to get a rise. I, I was about to say, we, you know, like, uh, uh, we did, you know, like during the pandemic, Roddy Cat and I did a bunch of evergreen episodes. And when we did Crisis, oh my goodness, with the pariah stuff. And now he's back uh, in another yeah, crisis. He's yeah, and and what, a, what a waste of a series, but we can talk about that later. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, but, but no, you're right. You're right. Um, in the last, I mean, since since the show started, there has been a, a, a real shift in the comic industry. We have noticed that the digital didn't kill the industry, but there has been a lot of a lot of upheaval, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it has been um, outside market forces, outside of just you know paper prices have been going through the roof, which you know the cost of printing goes up, cost of the storytelling goes up the cost of living goes up. So guys who were able to work before at just, you know, starving artist prices. Now they're kind of going, Hey, like we need retirement funds. We need medical yeah. mm-hmm. care, you know, like all of that stuff uh, goes into it. And that changes the whole dynamic of the market. And you do have a lot of people going, Hey, I'm getting 23 pages of story for four ninety nine. Is that really worth, uh, you know, what it's costing me out of pocket nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that does, just go away because people are looking at what it costs to say buy a Netflix subscription every month versus buying two comic books every month. And how much entertainment are you getting between the two of them? Right. And so the question is, you know, how, how do you make this balance out down the line? And that's, you know, something that people are going to be trying to figure out until I think time ends because we've seen all sorts of different models from Japan and from Italy um, from the UK, like everybody has a different model on how they do these things. The US does it different from all these other countries. So, I mean, maybe we'll see something shake out a little differently in the United States in the next few years. There's been talk. I don't, I don't know if you guys have been hearing about this with uh, the stuff you've been covering, but uh, Todd McFarlane's trying to take over printing DC comics and take over the publishing of, of their books. I don't know if you've heard about that, but he wants to take over the uh, the printing of the physical copies of DC books, which is crazy to think about image taking over printing DC books. But I mean, it's just the, the market is changing and a lot of it is just the world. It doesn't really have a lot to do with digital and, and online piracy and MP3s and Napster and everything else that everybody thought was going right. to be the big upheaval that was taking over the world. Right. I mean, so I, I'm sure Tim is, is sitting yeah, here trying not. He's he's got the best poker face because he knows everything we don't as an insider <laughs> in the comic book industry. I have not heard that news. But, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McFarlane's up to up to things. I hear that's interesting. Well, so I, I, I was. Well, oh, ahead, I was about Robert. to say, uh, Tim, on I guess on the reporting front, I know you do hear something. Like I know, obviously, you can't be privy to tell us a whole lot of stuff. Like some of the things that you come across, have you noticed anything shifting in certain ways in you know from the reporting standpoint? And how has that changed your fandom? Right. I haven't really noticed anything. Um, I'd have to give it a lot more thought, but I mean the. Business kind of seems to be the same as it is now. DC seems to be more um, 
they seem to have a little more focus, I guess, what they're doing compared to maybe previous years. Um, it was all that talk a couple of years ago about how they were decreasing their output, at least as far as like ongoing series and just doing a bunch of mini series and Batman adjacent books and black label books, which I guess those are still going on. Though I haven't really heard too much black label talk lately. It's here and there. Right. And then but, um, that, that whole that's gonna, DC stuff going on. The DC stuff is going to start increasing, I guess, as the Dawn of DC uh, kicks off this year, leading up to whatever else they do. Um, Marvel, they've, I guess, a good thing on their side they've got going on, I think, is at least like this year, they've got a bunch of uh, anniversaries coming up, like 30-year or 60-year anniversaries, I think, for like Avengers and Spider-Man X-Men. Was Spider-Man this, was that last year no. or is that coming up this year? I think Spider-Man was, no, I think Spider-Man was this year or last year. X-Men is coming up next year, this year, actually. I think Ghost Rider is coming up this year, if that, if it was this year or last year. Now, okay, yeah, so I guess Spider-Man might have been la- ended last year, maybe. Yeah. But I, I, know, see, but I know X-Men is I this mean, year. I mean, celebrate 60 years through December 2022. But I feel like Spider-Man didn't do anything. I mean, there's like a bunch of like the Beyond Amazing, I see, campaign that they had going on. Oh, that was 1000, that Amazing Fantasy 1000 thing they did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I can't remember everything. (laughs) I vaguely remember that because it was kind of, you know. (laughs) I was reading something. The only reason I'm, uh, the anniversary stuff is on my mind because I was reading something about, um, I was reading some report about how, I guess it was X-Men, uh, Avengers are having their anniversaries this year. You mentioned Ghost Rider. I feel like Ghost Riders might have been last year too. Might have been. But um, so they have. You can. I'm sure they have big things planned for that, and we'll get to the Avengers talk, I guess, a little later if I'm still on at that point in the show. I mean, actually, we can kind of get into it now because the one thing I kind of wanted to know about, um, you know, unless there's something else, is the the new writer for the X Men. Or Avengers. Uh, Avengers, excuse right. me, excuse me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Which, uh, I'll, which... I mean, it's fun. Back in the day, I I spent a lot of time, like, speculating about that online just to pass time, and I guess I, could, I still could do that. Um, so, Jason Aaron is ending his multi-year run on the Avengers this year with the Avengers Assemble crossover event between Avengers and Avengers Forever. Um... So the question in in the uh, back of Timeless number one that came out last month, uh, they teased Avengers relaunch. So we should have something going on with that. Um, of course, there's a couple uh, couple names probably to look out for. I tossed Donny Kate's name out there, but then I also forgot that he had took time off. For personal reasons, I knew he took time off. I just forgot it was for personal reasons. Right. Oh, he stopped writing Thor and Hulk, so he's probably going to write Avengers, which I guess could still be true. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But, it uh, could still be true. You know, clearing the decks. Yeah. Supposedly he's got um, some more Marvel work coming up. Uh, right. People, I've forgotten about Al Ewan as an option. People would love to see him. I would like that. Yeah. In a couple. Like Mighty Avengers and U.S. Avengers, 
book type Avengers books whenever the main series. So uh, he's been killing it over the past like five plus years but with all his Marvel writing. So seeing him do something, uh, he has sort of that Hickman mumbo jumbo in him. <laughs> so bringing that back for the 500th episode. There you go. Coined a phrase and brought it back. Yep. <laughs> So uh, HS70 had, had popped the name out of there, which I, I was kind of with, and it still could happen, but now I think that there's a reason why, there's another reason why it also couldn't happen. Well, it might not happen, I should say. Well, I, I, I don't know why they wouldn't tap the person that actually wrote Timeless, which is Jed McKay. Yeah. He's, um, what's he writing now? He's doing Moon Knight, Moon Knight. and... Anything Black Cat. Yeah. Anything Black Cat is what he's writing. He's not doing the... It, no, that's um, Christopher Cantwell doing the Namor series. Right. Some of these newer-ish uh, writers, I keep getting them like, like Cantwell and McKay confused with each other. Right. They're not new, just this new, the newer crop of, of writers. Right. And because I thought about it with like... Yeah, Joe, I would like to see Jed McKay's take on the Avengers. And then I was like, well... Because I think it was a possibility, well, because he wrote Timeless, so that would be the reason why. But then it's like, well, he wrote the last Timeless also, so that kind of wouldn't be the reason why. Or that wouldn't be the main reason why they would do it, unless... I still need uh, to read I still need to read uh, this most recent Timeless. I, like, flipped through it just to, like, see. I feel like the, the... I feel like last year, the 2021 version had a lot more teases for stuff that hadn't already been announced yet. At least of the stuff I saw in this... Uh, Hmm. In the 2022 version, it was like already stuff that's like already been teased for this year. And I feel like no, I, I went back and I, read that 2021 one, and there's like one or two things that might have that still hasn't happened. I think. Yeah, I um, I, I tried to, I didn't, I didn't follow up, but I tried to reach out to someone at Marvel to ask, like, did I miss whatever Young Avengers thing happened this year? Because mm-hmm. they they were teased in there, but um, I never heard back. And I never like pressed it again. You want to say I love uh, that you can do that, Tim. That's something else that's changed in ten years that you right. can reach out to someone at Marvel with that kind of question. Yeah, I probably could have gotten an answer <laughs> if I had actually like tried, but I, it was like coming up near the end of the year and the holidays and not travels coming up. I was like, I don't have enough time to actually. Uh, oh, check in uh, on I'm this. looking at somebody's weighing right now. <laughs> Look at this, the hardest working man on the comic book chronicles right now. <laughs> oh, we do have I need my magnifying glass to see Wang. Uh oh. Let me, let me get him in a shot here. <laughs> Hang on a second. Oh, he's he's working on setting getting his audio set up. He needed to log in. But yeah, no, we have a returning guest of the show, uh at Matt Wang ninety seven, joining us momentarily. He's getting himself set up. And, uh, you know, we're glad to have him with us, uh, just to give Matt an idea of what we're, uh, what we've been chatting about in the, in the early parts of the show. Uh, you know, we've been talking about what's changed in the 10 plus years that we've been doing the comic chronicles. And I, ha- I have been staying away from news more, uh, in the last 10 years. I used to try to track down every, you know, rumor, every possible piece of news, you know, everything that was going on. But nowadays it's just. For the most part, I find that if I'm reading too many of the headlines and reading too much of the speculation and too much of uh, 
you know, the stuff that's going on, I get too excited about what could be coming out as opposed to what actually does come out, because then what actually does come out never lives up to the expectations of what could come out. And then you're always disappointed. Mm. So it's better to just like try to ignore the news of what's coming out and just let it happen. And then, you know, then what comes out comes out and it, yeah, it might be all right. It might not be, but it's better to just read it as opposed to trying to speculate what might be coming mm-hmm. because, uh, what might be coming is always a hundred times better than what it seems like they actually produce. I remember those days. I wish we could do that. <laughs> Can you guys hear me now? Yes. There we go. Great. Well, thank you again for, for having me. I'm so excited to see all of you and um, I, I for this little drive-by. And, uh, congratulations on uh, God, 10 years on, uh, on doing this and uh, doing it every week. But uh, um, thanks again for having me on. And, uh, you know, as I promised you, I'm, I'm, I'm really here to talk about really bad crossovers. Um, you know. <laughs> yes. You know who's taking over the Avengers comic? Um, this love affair with Stingray, uh, right? And you know, Sting talking a little bit about Stingray and uh, bad TV shows as well. So you know, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say we just you just uh, missed a, a little segment on uh, possible Avengers writer. Uh, you know, so we throw we threw out a couple of names. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight Tim. Uh, had the ability to maybe uh, has the ability to to uh, to to dig a little deeper, but you know I threw out a name, uh, and and uh, you know there's some valid reasons for that name to not work. Uh, you know I said you know maybe it's Jed McKay, but he you know because he's the one that wrote the most recent Timeless, and he wrote last year's Timeless also, so that's no indicator at all. So, you know, that's, you know, but that's at least a name. And we threw out other names like Al Ewing and um, who else did, did we mention? Anyone else? Um, well, well, I, I, I guess we read that CBR article then recently. Wait, which one? The, it was the, the one news about or, the, the, the Newsarama. Like, I, I know Newsarama posted. Oh, it was Newsarama. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. You know, they had all the speculation. And how how and dare you confuse CBR <laughs> with Newsarama? Yeah, no, we're, we're, Come no, on we're now. comic book.com people here for Tim. <laughs> I try to keep them straight. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You're, but, you're from you the know, Agent 70 loves some, some McKay. Mm-hmm. Oh, we both do. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But yeah. I, I brought, I, I took out something that I haven't. I'm gonna hang on my office. I want to show you guys because it was your, it's your uh, anniversary show. So I, I brought two things that were recently framed. Um, this one that will go up soon. I don't know if you can tell who it is, but oh, that's Jim Lee uh, training card stuff. Right. Yeah, that's Longshot and uh, which one call it the uh, the British folks. Wow, that was pretty good. Yeah, it's, dude, I know that I have that. I still have my set. And I'll show you one more. Just got these. This one had for a while. This one was really hard to get. Saber tooth and sunspot. Yeah. So. Very cool. I'm gonna have to swing by your office. Uh, uh, if you're gonna be there late, you know. Uh, no, tomorrow's bad, but maybe next week. If you're going to be there late uh, next week, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll text you and I'll swing by after work. All right. Sorry. Sorry to digress. 
No, it's no, okay. No, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. You know what? One of the things that we talked about, and you know, we can include you in on this conversation, is how has, um, you know, we talked about like how our collecting habits have changed, kind of like our 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 focus on pop, you know, like on what aspects of pop culture, you know, like on different aspects of pop culture, how that's changed over the ten years. And, you know, I, I, I threw out there a little bit about how technology has changed over the last 10 years and 500 episodes, how that's changed our experience doing this podcast. And, you know, that, you know, you can you can fold that into like how you experience the news now, uh, you know, the, the, the comic book news and, 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 and checking up on stuff like that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start the I'll start this uh I'll start this line of uh, question and answer by saying that we were, you know, and we talked about this earlier just before the show about how we started out on Google Hangouts because it was easy and we were pretty spoiled by it. And once Google Hangouts in its uh, in its like best form went away, we were forced to adapt and adopt to different technologies and it's technologies. We were actually ahead of the curve when it came to like pandemic time, like zoom, you know, we were well prepared when that stuff happened, uh, uh, because of, you know, having to switch from, uh, hangouts and, and adapt to it. So, you know, I can say that, you know, we, the, this show has, has, has definitely evolved over 500 episodes to now being okay. I, I kind of admit a little overproduced him, <laughs> but you know, we have sound drops for everything, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's definitely, you know, come a long way and, and it's, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of how we stay in touch with each other has changed. We have like this ongoing group chat and that's just how we all keep in touch. You know, I think that's probably the one thing that's remained constant, that one Google Hangout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it has been like the one uh, constant throughout the, what, 10 years or yeah. how long we say Yeah, it's technically it's, it's a Google uh, chat, so it's technically that same Google Hangout. But right. It never went away. It's still going. <laughs> I wonder how far back you can actually scroll <laughs> that thing back and go before it, it gives up. Knowing Google probably are good ways. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's funny that to, to think about it that way. Like that's the that's been the one constant for our show. So will you be able to find like if you go back like 9 years, will you be able to find like embarrassing reviews where you're like, well, you know, that didn't age well? <laughs> oh, that, that that's all in the archives, man. It's uh, yeah, I was about to say that's all on archive. YouTube, so I'm sure yeah, I'm sure a lot YouTube. of that's oh, out I'm, there. I'm sure somewhere there's a quote where someone's like, "Oh, Exo Man of War is a comic that will never go away." <laughs> right. You know, wow. they'll never stop print. They'll never stop uh, doing an Uncanny X Men title. I'll always be collecting that. I was so wrong. Century's going to be the next big thing. Oh, wait. <laughs> They they can make as many uh, uh, spinoffs of Venom as they want. They can make as many Carnage and 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 whoever's, and I'll buy every single one that they make. Yeah, they can even make movies, and every movie will be great. How many? How many? Sim- I I I I I think I stopped at five, but aren't there like twenty five of them now? I can't even. Keep oh, I, I mean, once Carnage started making his own, I mean, who knows? It's and I don't know if you're, I, I they're will... cutting that one from that Damage Control, but I hope not. I will say 
there is one good Carnage series. There's one good one, and that that was it. It, it was the one. It, it was I think it was only for like twelve to fifteen issues, and it was on the island, and like Carnage gets kidnapped for a cult, and it was basically the Tomb of Dracula, if you remember where Blade premiered, but like with Carnage, and it had like Moonwolf, had Eddie Brock, had the Darkhold Redeemers. It was a horror book. It wasn't like any of the stuff you see now. I digress. I remember, that. I remember that. That was like a good like five, six years ago now. What yeah. that's you know what's funny about that is stuff that we used to think was is new is not new anymore since we've been doing this for five hundred episodes. So you know, like uh, like I remember when we were all like, "Oh, look at the Hickman Avengers mumbo jumbo stuff." That stuff is re- getting rebooted. Yeah, yeah, we were all glowing about New Avengers around that time, right? Leading up into Secret Wars. Yeah, they're already adapting that stuff into the movies. You know, Agent Seventy, aren't you the scroll here? Oh my God, weren't you the one spoiled in Secret Invasion Three? Yeah, right. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, that just reminded me. Secret Invasion came out this weekend. I forgot to read it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have time. I I was I, I read a surprising number of books this week, so um, I don't know if there's anything else uh, anyone wants to touch on, like you know, kind of thing how things have where you know, like kind of talking about like how we started and how things have changed over the last ten years slash five hundred episodes. Uh, you know, we can we can touch on a couple of books this week and you know, and uh, uh, our reviews. So you know, like since you since you um, you're the last to pop on, Matt, I'll I'll, I'll uh, uh, give you a moment to just talk about, you know, how your collecting has changed over the last 10 years. That's kind of the the basis of this whole thing, like how your collecting has changed over the last 10 years, your fandom, your you know, like how much time or attention you give to your fandom over the last 10 years or, you know, you know, slash 500 episodes of the show, you know, how that's changed. I, I, I think, um, you know, as, as I get older, um, as, you know, kind of personal obligations pull me away. And um, I think some of the older, you know, I appreciate some of the older stuff. And I, I do want to, I used to not be a guy who reread a lot of stuff, but now I, I do want to reread stuff. And, you know, recently, you know, I want to go back to some of the James Robinson stuff, like Golden Age and, and, and Starman that I love. But I, I think the, um, you I appreciate the sentiment. Like, I want to be surprised. I'm not reading previews like I was like 20 years ago, right? Like, I want to be surprised. I'm reading less of the art. I want to, um, and I'm, I do look, I do stretch myself a little bit. There's stuff that I usually don't like to read, but I'm trying to stretch myself and read, try, try a couple different things. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I still am always drawn back to superheroes. That That's always pulled me in. Um, I'm still always pulled in with underdog stories. I'll just read them maybe in a different format. Um, obviously my collection has gone more digital. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I think, you know, as, you know, agent 70 knows, I've gone to a couple of conventions with him. Um, you know, I, 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 I you know, I want to talk to creators as people, um, and, you know, like support their projects and like, look, and you know, enjoy the books I love, enjoy the creators I love. Um, but as I said, in kind of different ways. Um, I will say in the last like twelve years, I've become much more of an art collector, as you can probably tell. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's cre- uh, 
And, um, you know, one of the things I've done ever since I started having kids was, you know, I have a sketchbook for them. And, you know, I'll go, when I go to conventions, I try to get sketches in their books of characters they, they love, they, they, they enjoy. So I, I think that that's been the change um, in kind of fandom. And look, am I still reading my weekly books? Of course I am. I just sometimes consume it in a slightly different way. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Very one cool. Thing Thanks for that. Yeah, I think one thing that just got brought up that just kind of reminded me of something that's changed in the last 10 years is that there used to be a lot more hate reading on, on this program that we don't do yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not on the show as much. So. <laughs> <laughs> not just you, though. I mean, it was like, it was like, for like, one of us, if not all of us, was had something where we were like hate reading for, for no no real reason. So it's like, why do we yeah. do, why do we put ourselves through that? We don't know. <laughs> you think, well, I was thinking it was going to be so better, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I I brought that up because the most recent Exo Man War series was terrible. It was mm. just awful, and uh, and it, it came to my mind actually because uh, I was reading recently about Valiant and how they're they're like on their last legs. They're mm. producing one book a month now, um, so they they're doing mini series. And they'll do five, like right now they're doing, um, uh, where's the Bloodshot, uh, which has actually been pretty good. Uh, but they're doing like five issues of Bloodshot, and then that ends, and then they're going to start the new series of, I forget what it is, but they're going to do five issues of that, one every month, and then that's going to end. And then they're going to start the next series of something. So it's one book every month from Valiant, because that's all they can afford to put out right now. Right. Because of, mm-hmm. you know, how things have gotten. But, um but yeah, another thing, um, just briefly, I wanted to mention that like, in the last 10 years, I've pretty much stopped going to conventions. Um, That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I I may go to one in the next year just because my son would like to go to one just because he wants to buy some stuff because he has a job, he has money, so he wants to spend it and I can get free passes because we have credentials. Um, but... Um, I've pretty much stopped going in the last, even pre-pandemic, I stopped going because they became more about cosplay. They became more about actors from a TV show or a movie. They became more about trivia contests and like whatever. And artists and writers were always like pushed off to the side. And I remember I went to one, I think it was Chicago... It used to be Chicago Comic Con. It's not that wizard. It's, it's not even Wizard World Chicago anymore. It's uh, C2E2? Well, no, C2E2 is the other company. Right, it's um, Repop. Right. right. So, it's, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, but, but that's that's what's in your area, right? Yeah, well, that's that, like St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, Indianapolis. Um, those are the main ones. That, yeah, like but, Motor City. Yeah, I was going to say Motor City. Yeah, Con. Motor City Comic Con, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so we go and it was like the lines for some actor who is in Game of Thrones, which I, I've never even watched Game of Thrones. Like that's that blows people's minds when I tell them that. Um, but like the line was like, you know, 45 minute wait in this line for Game of Thrones to get uh, a photograph or a, a signature. And over here was Mike Mignola sitting at a folding table with a couple sketches and some hardcover books and there was like one person standing at his table. I'm like, that's the creator of Hellboy just sitting there. Like you can just walk up to him and talk. And he's just there. 
mm-hmm. and nobody's paying him any attention. And that's what comic book conventions have turned into. Ah. And it just blows my mind that they don't have people like that sitting in a more prominent position with signs and banners and announcing because it's all this was the guy in the last Terminator who was off to the side who got shot and you know now you can get your photograph taken with him and this was the car uh in the last Avengers movie and this was you know whatever and it's like you know like that's okay like okay Mm -hmm. cool whatever but that's not why I'm at the convention sure 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 and and so it's just it to me the prices got more expensive for everything else um you know it became the same as you know going to a uh major league sports game buying a soda was the same as you know going to buy a soda at one of these conventions no it's worse it's, at the conventions yeah it's it's outrageous and and you're you're spending a lot of your time just looking at stuff that you really don't care mm-hmm. about and right. watching the stuff that you do care about getting pushed farther back and farther aside and the people who are selling back issues aren't really there as much anymore uh, the people who are selling um, you know, the, the, there used to be guys, um, selling pages from old books. They, they just had original artwork from old comics that they'd yeah. gotten off artists over the years. And they just had, you know, stacks of them. And you would go just flip through and flip through and they were selling them for 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 70 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Those guys are gone because they don't make money at those shows anymore because, you know, it's, it's just not the place you have to buy it all online now because in a convention like that, it just, unless they have the stuff that's from the movie that they're promoting as part of the convention. But right. like Marvel got rid of their booth. DC got rid of their booth. Um, you know, Dark Horse half the time doesn't have a booth anymore. You know, so so all of those big places are mm-hmm. gone. And so just, I don't, I just right. got tired of feeling like I, I would go, I would, they would send me like a three day pass, like come for the whole weekend. Here's your three day pass. You know, I got press credentials. I can go anywhere. I can talk to anybody, whatever. And after two and a half hours, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to go home. Right. Like, I'm right. Done so, so I'll give you a counterpoint, and I'm glad that this is kind of like the, 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 the kicker, the, 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 the finisher for this conversation, I think. Uh, our experience with conventions over the last 10 plus years and 500 episodes, because the one thing that I will absolutely agree with you on and, and, and Matt Wang, uh, can, can, can back me up on this is that everything has gotten more expensive at the con, including costs when it comes to going into artist alley, all signature, almost all signatures cost something now, right? Almost all sketches cost far more than they used to, right? It's gone. It's not, you know, it's not like it's tracking along with inflation or the cost of living, you know, it's definitely not. It's it's definitely outpacing all of those indicators. So um, that I will agree with you on. But I will say that in terms of evolving, and 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 I'll 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 I'll, I'll ask the panel. I'll leave it open to the panel to chime in. Uh, Roddy Cat knows. I've talked about this, and 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 Matt knows. I've talked about this. You know, in person with him, uh, in that my attitude towards cosplay has changed over the last you know, 10 plus years of doing the show because I've gotten more familiar with people who do cosplay and I've gotten to appreciate them and how much effort they put into creating their costumes. I've also gotten more tolerant of the people who are only going there to get signatures from like famous people because they're not 
always in the way. I think because I haven't really been to that many cons. Like, I think the con that you really need to go to is probably Baltimore, Doug, because that's very comic book centric. And I'd love to go down there hopefully this coming fall. But at New York, they've done a pretty good job of, like, giving a pretty big space for Artist Alley. So you don't necessarily get gypped if that's all you're going to do is to go to Artist Alley and to go to the show floor. They, they you know, they kind of cordon off, like, a lot of the signature areas for the big, you know, uh, famous people. So that, you know, anyone who's going just for that, they can go there and they don't necessarily get in the way of your experience. Um the cosplayer thing, trust me, I sympathize with that because I used to not – I used to hate the people that would clog up the aisles wherever you were, either in Artist Alley or on the show floor with their cosplay because people stopped them to take their picture. But it's just gotten better. At well, you know, yeah, I'm just saying – I'm just – just to finish my thought, yeah. I think – our experience and Matt can, 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 can chime in on this is that it's similar to yours, but different in that we found, you know, I guess because we've kept going, we've gotten, we've changed, like our attitudes have changed towards, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I just want to make it clear. Like I'm not blaming people for dressing up as a character when they go to the convention. I mean, I understand that that's a creative outlet. I, I don't have a problem with that. Right. My, my problem is more along the line of the convention co-opting it into an event for the show, as opposed to, as opposed to staying more focused on the creators and the comics mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the professionals involved, because I feel like anytime they add something else, it takes away from those professionals and from the people who like, you know, like, like this is their job. You know, it's, 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 this is not the perfect analogy, but a similar analogy is the same way that say like a musician uh, or a band who whatever they, they make the album and you buy the album they don't really make a lot of money off of selling the album. They make the money off of doing the concerts. So you go to the concert and the t-shirts, right? You go, so you go to the concert, but now you're going to the concert and they're only allowed to play music for 15 minutes. But for the other three hours that you're there, you've got commercials for TV shows. You've got Honda doing a raffle. You've got, um, you know, major league sports stars coming in and giving a speech and whatever. And you're like, I, I, I'm just here for the music. Like what's going on? You know, that's what I kind of feel is like, like going on. They keep co-opting the shows into these other things. And, and I can still remember going in the early nineties when you would go and it was literally just rows of folding tables and professionals with sacks of their books and their art. And they're just shaking hands and signing And that's that's literally like what it was. And you had, you know, guys with long boxes of books and you had those people yelling, you know, like all trades, two dollars, you know, like off on the sides. And 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 that's it was just all comics. Like that's all it was, was comics. And then, you know, it's like slowly you start having this creep of video games and then you have this creep of toy biz and you have this creep of, uh, you know, HBO was setting up booths. And, you know, like just suddenly it becomes comics are this five to 10% of the overall experience mm-hmm. of a comic con, which. Yeah, no, I get it. I get ah, it. 
I can so, I, I see you. So again, that's why I stopped going. So what I what I've been doing though is we have a lot of just like local. I don't know if you, swap meet is like the wrong term. I mean, swap meet makes it sound like it's you know three guys smoking cigarettes in, you know, in somebody's basement. But this is like uh, the, there are a lot of comic traders, comic yes. uh, sellers that that will meet in like the ballroom of a hotel. Um, and they go around all around the Midwest, and I'm sure they do it everywhere in the United States. But you know, there's a group here in the Midwest, um, and they travel all around from Kansas to Iowa to Illinois to Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky. You know, um, and so every few months they will come through, and you've got different guys that rotate in and out. And so they are just buying and selling comics, and that's all they're doing. And every sure. so often, you will have a creator who will come in and sit down and he'll have some art and sometimes it's a silver age artist um you know sometimes it's uh some guy uh, uh, you know who who maybe he wrote for um what was that comics buyer's guide you know in the 90s and he's there you know with like a book collecting a bunch of his uh, articles and stuff like that and and that is that is what i want mm-hmm. you know and that is what those conventions used to be it used to be that in the rosemont right you know and now it's it's something completely different, and that's why I stopped going to those big ones, and that's why I just go to these no the small smaller ones. Yeah, ones. yeah, I think because that's these the, are the these are the fan enthusiasts, right? That and that's more. the focus that you want, and I appreciate that. I definitely yeah. do. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, uh, in terms of that, there are you know you know if you're lucky enough to have multiple shows like that, that's great. You know, uh, you know we have some of that here in like the in like the the east coast on the east coast um uh i I don't want to bogart the mic on this you made me think of one of the things that i've hated about the last 10 years Uh oh we're about to lose tim you are yeah i was about to say i was about to say do you want to just cover a book this week and then i'll i'll vent about uh what i want to vent about like cgc signature uh uh books uh afterwards go ahead sure uh, X-Men Red number 10, which I'm assuming is the last issue of the series, as all the X-Books pause for Sins of Sinister. Uh, I assume this month, next month, whenever that starts. Uh, it's a pretty mm-hmm. good finale. Um, Al Ewan's X-Men book has been one of the highlights of this uh, is it Des- Destiny of X era as we head into the fall of X sometime this summer um so yeah stay tuned for sins of sinister check out it's been red number 10 read a bunch of other books that my good co-hosts and buddies are going to recommend later on in the show matt wang goes good seeing you as always take care of yourselves people and maybe i'll be back for the 550th episode we'll see (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you're always welcome back well before that but or sooner that's what i'm saying yeah sooner I listen there's always me. evergreen episodes you know like if there's an evergreen episode that you want to record like you know the, the the best and or worst crossovers or most underrated crossovers like matt wang was just talking about you know atlantis attacks you know <laughs> you know i was going to talk about roddy's you know roddy cat's you know star blast from the, from the 90s <laughs> You know, that's Quasar No. <laughs> I mean, I like Keith Lewis. No, we're not going to get into that right now. But anyway. Um... <laughs> All right. Y'all have a good night. All right, Tim. We'll Thank, you. Thank you.
Bye, Tom. Yeah. Good seeing you. Good seeing you. Take it easy. So I, I wanted to rant about one thing when it comes to cons, and you made me think about it, Dirt. And then we can get into uh, our into your click. You no, know, I'm I'm just old and grumpy, and so that's what I'm. Thinking. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, but you made me remember something that I'm kind of old and grumpy about, because signed books pre CGC acknowledged signatures are so like I've got piles of these books that are that i had signed by jim lee by george perez by uh uh whatchamacallit by uh you know i even have something signed by stan lee but it's not witnessed by cgc so if i ever ever wanted to get this you know slabbed which i'm not a fan of but if i ever wanted it to you know cgc would say like well we can't verify this signature so it's going to be a grade less I'd have to go to CPCS, you know, because they're owned by Beckett. You know, this is what a, 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 a contact of mine told me. And they'd be willing to verify it, but CPCS is like that second-tier uh, slabbing company. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that, like, my fan – just because of my fandom, uh, you know, like, I legitimately got these books signed by some of the best creators out there. And uh, – you know, to, to find out that they might be worth less because of that, because they weren't, you know, they weren't around, you know, CGC wasn't around to witness it. That just pisses me off. Look, it's, um, you know, it's the evolution of the business, right? And yeah, the, the thing, the thing I'll say to that, I and mean, I'm not going to address like, you know, CGC, but I, I will say Garden Artist Alley and, 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 when my money goes to a creator, I appreciate that more than because mm. um, I know I'm supporting them. So um, I agree. I think sketches and you know art has gotten much more expensive. But you know when I'm paying or Venmoing that person directly, I I, I do feel better about about, about that. Um, and but uh, you know as Dirt said, like I, I do miss the old style conventions. I miss going through like. 50 cent 50 cent boxes at comic stores and conventions i i miss all of that and you know we've seen that evolution over like the last 20 years right um that's why some of the smaller shows are great um you know i think for me to to get around um um oh my god my computer's about to reboot in a minute but um to get around some of those you know artist alley you know high price signatures what i've noticed at some of the conventions you know, they'll have artists that are like sponsored or they, they're signing something. Like I, I went to the eBay booth at New York Comic Con hmm. um, and David Sliney was there, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I loved you on like Spider-Man 2099. He goes, oh, wow. You know, and I got to chat with him and he basically drew a couple sketches on my girl sketchbook for free. And it was super nice. So I, I think you can still find those moments. It's just much harder now at the big places and you have to go to the small ones. But um you know, I, I think when we're paying the artists, you know, the the artists should reap the benefits of some of those signed sign books, and you mm -hmm. know, I think that's the price we're paying right now. Um, I would also say if you're worried about CGC being considered the top tier, um, and and the other companies, you know, being considered not as right. legitimate or not as whatever, um, CGC. Maybe losing a fair amount of its luster 
in the next uh, year. Um, their connection with heritage auctions um, and with um, uh, I, I don't know how how deep I want to get into it, but heritage auctions has been buying interest in video game grading, comic book grading, um, toy grading, um, trading card grading, and um, in turn, Heritage, Heritage has been found to be involved in employees of the auction house, um, putting their own stuff up for auction, mm. bidding on their own stuff at auction, uh, raising the price up, right. uh, then being the top bidder and buying their own stuff, and then turning around and putting out a press release of saying, wow, look at this amazing high price of this item that just sold. And it just sold to the person at heritage auctions who was selling their own thing. So um, there's been talk of several class action lawsuits. Mm. Um, there's been talk of insider trading Rico. I don't know how all of that works, but um, there's a lot of talk about, about this stuff coming down from the federal government. Um, and there's a guy on YouTube who normally talks about like speed runs and that kind of stuff, but he looked into the video game collecting and trading because he's like this is kind of a weird thing and and he found these connections with heritage auctions and uh wada games i think it's one of the places that grades games and found that it was like the same people you know were owners and then they turned out to be the bidders and they turned out you know it was all like insider stuff and and whatever and so they tried to sue him to shut down his youtube channel to try to like cover this up and so it started like this whole big scandal um, so it's been a big, a, a big thing that's been going on in that video game collector marketplace, um, which will in turn fold over into the comic book marketplace because they're starting to see that it's a lot of the same people. Oh. And so a lot of the same stuff's been going on. So when you see some of the stuff where it's like an action comics, number one sold at auction for $5.3 million. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. Like, wow, that's you know so high, whatever. But then you find out. It was sold by a guy who worked at Heritage Auctions to a guy who works at Heritage Heritage Auctions. So then you have hmm. to wonder, did it actually sell? Did any money actually change hands? And, you know, this is where all this is coming in. So hmm. um, it looks like some of this stuff may end up um, having some issues the next few years. I feel like we need a collusion sound, sound effect. Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, it seems it seems like we're going to be, uh, you know, keeping our our ears and our eyes open for news about that because that's uh, that's news to me. There's yeah. a guy uh, with a YouTube channel. It's Carl Jobst, uh, J O B S T, I believe is how it's pronounced. He's he's German, I believe. Um, so when he speaks, you can hear a little bit of an accent mm -hmm. um, in his voice. Um, and and but he's the one who he normally like I said he normally covers speed runs he finds like cheaters he finds people who, um, you know do all this underhanded stuff and in, in cheating with their speed runs and stuff but then he also finds people that come up with these insane glitches and are able to pull off all this great insane stuff, uh, but then he's the one who who looked into the the game trading stuff and he was like oh this is a fraud he's like this 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 whole thing from the get-go has been a complete scam and he laid out the entire thing they tried to sue him and shut him down so then he did a follow-up he did a second one and he laid out like all the ways that they tried to sue him and shut him down and cover everything up and it went even deeper 
and he showed even more and how heritage auctions is right in the middle of it and how they're in the middle of cgc and i i don't know what the what the trading there's a trading card uh one there's a, um what's the other one there's a toy there's a toy mm-hmm. trading one that they do also um and so yeah so a lot of that stuff um from Her- heritage auctions is right in the middle and all of these other companies are coming out of it and yeah, so but definitely, I was about to say that's definitely something to uh, pay pay attention to. With your with your legal background, you might find it very interesting. Right. I mean, you know, like ultimately, you know, ultimately, you know, my my interest as a collector, you know, even though I've stopped pulling, I still have my collection. Um, that you know, it, it that that's where my interest would lie because I would want to see how that affects the marketplace, how that affects us as people who. You know, we don't necessarily have our collections as investments, but I know people who look at me and like, hey, you know, uh, you know, you have you have, you know, you definitely have like a couple of valuable books. Are you, you know, would you think about slabbing that and getting that like cleaned and pressed and whatnot? I'm like, well, I still kind of like having it so that I can flip through it, you know? Yeah, I've never gotten into graded books like that just because that's the whole thing is I want to be able to read it. Um, yeah. and, and certain books like flash of two worlds is one of those, to me, that's one of those grail books. Like I would right. love to own a copy of that, but every copy I come across, it's always slabbed. slabbed. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, maybe if I win the lottery, I'll buy one just so I can crack it open because right. that's the first thing I would do because I want to put it in my hands and I want to flip through it. Right. Even if it was like, you know, you know, if it was like a lower grade, you'd be like, yeah, like, like I want to, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like if I find one, it would be like a, a a 1.2 copy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not buying like a 9.6 or something. Right. 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 Um, I'm buying the one that, that the guy, you know, was about to use his toilet paper. And then someone's like, no, Hey, that might be worth something. Right. Um, but, you know, that's one of those grail books that I would like to get. And, and I, I came real close one time and I, you know, it's like one of those, I should have pulled the trigger and I didn't, you know, and I, now I'm kicking myself, but I didn't grab it when I had the opportunity. Yeah, I get um, it. It was, it was, oh, you know, uh, every time I look back on it, like, why didn't I just get it when I was there? And it was, you know, um, but yeah, but like, I've got a friend who collects graded books and that's what he does is, and he goes on the, uh, the whatnot is that is it whatnot or why not? Uh, whatever the app is, it's all comic auctions. It's like live stream comic auctions. It's, Got it's me. What, and yeah, whatnot, they just started publishing their own books. So they have a publishing arm where they publish <laughs> comics now, and then they do uh, live stream auctions like twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's whatnot, and um, and that's what he does is he's buying graded comics off of there all the time and they sell ridiculously cheap because it's through this app that not a lot of people are watching mm-hmm. and paying attention to. But he just has this huge collection and a lot of them are uh, those blank covers that were like the convention special, whatever, and people have done the artwork and then mm-hmm. gotten graded and, and certified and whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's like in that situation where you've got an original piece of artwork from the artist on one of those blank covers, I can understand putting it in one of those cases. Yeah. Because that you're protecting that piece of artwork. It's not Mm. about the actual book. Like I understand that, but some of these, you know, it's like a key book. Um, you know, it's like the first appearance of the symbiote, you know, from in secret wars. And it's like, 
Why would you slam yeah. that though? Why wouldn't you yeah. want to be able to? to, to I have that too. I have that signed by Mike Zek and John Beatty, the inker. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care that you know that that it's you know that the the signatures are unverified. I got these signed before CGC witnessing was a thing. That's why. That's my rant. You know. So. Well, and and even again, to me, as a collector, if I if I came to you, and you said you wanted to sell me this book and it had their signatures on it, unless you were sitting there saying, "Hey, uh, this is worth." two thousand dollars because it has these signatures i'm probably going to be like uh two thousand dollars okay no i'm probably not going to pay two thousand dollars very much but if you're like hey it's this it's this key book it's got these two signatures it's worth some money but i'm not going to try to have you mortgage your house for it you know let's let's work out a deal unless it's like a really specific you know big book right yeah if you're like oh this is a First appearance of Spider-Man, Amazing Fantasy, with uh, Stan Lee's signature on it, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah okay, yeah, sure. Um, I might want some verification on that. But yeah. otherwise, it's just going to be like, I'm going to take your word on it. Mm-hmm. Because for me, maybe you're lying to me, maybe you're not. But I'm going to put it in my collection. I'm not basing my identity off of the book and I'm not going to turn around and try to sell it and, you know, put my kid through college based on the book, but it's more of having that collector piece. Sure. And I'm just going to be like, Hey, this is cool. And look, it's signed. And that's what makes it cool. I don't have to have it verified. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but Mm -hmm. to me it is. And that's more important. And that's what I care about. I mean, obviously if it's scribbled in red crayon and it looks nothing like the guy's signature, I'm going to know you lied to me. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, there's some signatures that are so distinct that you just know that that's the that's a legit signature. So yeah, so and there are some artists that you see their signed books and they're just like, and you're like, oh, okay, thanks for the the three swirls in the line, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's a okay, thanks for the signature. But there are some guys um, that I, is it Mike Zek that always did like the little diamond when he did his. Yeah, he does it. You know, I was about to say Simonson draws a, a dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, Jim Lee's signature is always going to be, you know, like the, it's a loopy Jim Lee. Like you can yeah. read it, you know, like it's 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 a tell. Like that's that's a legit Jim Lee signature. Uh, George Perez had a, a very distinctive signature. I, I you know, like I speak from personal experience on that one. So, um, you know, the, I, I that that's, you know, obviously I, I have signatures that I can't make out you know, in the same vein that you talk about, I'm just like, I don't, you know, like, I think I know who this is, you know? Right. Yeah. And there's other stuff too. Like when I used to go to the conventions and, and again, this was years ago, um, like colorists, colorists used to hand color everything. And when they would right. hand color everything, what they would do is they would take the artwork and they would print it down the comic book page size. And it would be with the non photo blue ink. And right. it would be on a thicker piece of paper, and they would take watercolor and actually paint the colors in, and then they would have an overlay of black lines on a clear uh, piece of plastic that would lay on top like of it. Like acetate, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and then that's what would actually get photographed to be printed uh, mm-hmm. as the comic page. And guys used to sell those things for five, ten bucks. Because they didn't care, they already got paid for it, and so they would just have a stack of them. And so you could go through and just you know, pull out some random ones and hand the guy some money and you had the stack and they would sign it down in the margin, mm-hmm. you know, and send you on your way. And so you'd have this stuff that was 
the, the comic page and it was, you know, what they hand painted colored with that, you know, clear piece of uh, S toad on top that they, they signed at the bottom. And for me, it was more of just like, here's this cool piece of artwork um, that you can see that they hand painted. It was more about having that cool piece of artwork than worrying about, you know, is this signature going to be verified in 20 right. years? No, no, I get it. I get it. It's, you know, but you know, my, I, I just got aggravated by the whole thing, you know, like when I when I started to see that become a thing, you know, that 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 uh, that practice become more, you know, embedded in the comic book convention experience, you know, like standing online because, you know, like, you know, uh, as uh, Matt Wang will, will be able to attest to, you know, like we walk around Artist Alley sometimes specifically to get to certain people. And if there's a line, we're just like, I'm waiting on this line. Unless it's like super important, you know, unless it's a, you know, unless it's something where, you know, you really need to get something signed by that person. We, I mean, we did wait a long time because you really wanted your dark clock, dark clock number one. Uh, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you know, you had that first issue of the, uh, the Night Thrasher uh, solo series that of you course. had signatures on. Of course. I, look, you know, it was written by, you know, Fabian the Cheesy. He's always writing there, and he's got a little sign, creator of Deadpool. Yes. Uh, just to remind you, I, look, as a big New Warriors fan, I, I, I did <laughs> I did collect that series. So the first miniseries was Night Thrasher 4 Control. I think I have that one, too. Yeah. I might have, I have that one, too. The other thing that was that was neat about conventions back in those days is a lot of guys, a lot of the artists would have their sketchbooks and they would um, sometimes they would sell pages out of their sketchbooks. Sometimes they would just give them away. Um, they would just rip out the pages of their sketchbooks and just leave them on the table, and you could take them. Um, I remember Tom Artis, um, who did uh, he did the web at DC Comics. He did Tailgunner Joe. Um, trying to think what uh, else Tom Lyle. No, Tom Artis. Um, A R T I S. Okay. Okay. Um, he. Uh, he had he had sketchbooks. He was sketching all the time, and he would always have these books. And he would always like step out to have a cigarette, and people would walk up and and they were like, "Oh, this artwork's really good." They rip out the pages and walk away. And so he got upset that people were always like taking these pages. So he just started. He, he's like, "If I got to practice drawing, you know, to keep my skill up, and people are gonna like rip out these pages." He just started drawing hardcore pornography in his sketchbooks yeah. so that people would be embarrassed to rip out these pages and walk off with them. So he would just have sketchbooks full. So he had a stack that would just say X-rated sketchbooks. And if people wanted to, you know, to take them, they could take them. But nine times out of ten, people didn't want to touch those because they weren't the superhero stuff. So he had the superhero stuff over here. You'd pay him a couple bucks. You could have, you know, those sketchbook pages. Or you could have these free ones that were the X-rated stack. And people were just like, nah, nah, I'm good. I don't want to, you know, really mess with those. Uh, huh? But that was another yeah. thing back in those days. You could just walk in and, and talk to a guy and shake his hand. He'd sign a comic book. You could hand him a sketchbook, and he'd draw the face of Batman or Hawkman or somebody like that and sign it and hand it back to you, and that was it. And yep. you, know, you could, you could give him a donation sometimes, and sometimes they wouldn't even take it. Yeah, I remember those days. It's a whole different well, ballgame now. Uh, All right, that's was, enough about conventions, I guess. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say. We went, had, uh, we went deep into conventions. <laughs> it was a long rant. Right, <laughs> than I thought we would. But it's important that we touch on it because it's, again, something that has been a prevalent subject, you know, obviously with Matt Wang with us tonight. 
it's been a prominent subject on our show as we talk about like some of the big conventions that we go to and matt's been our san diego comic-con correspondent always and you know obviously we hit up new york and uh uh you know, there there have been times when uh, Roddy Cat was at was, it's Heroes, Heroes, right? Con, yeah, right. So you know, we've talked about our convention experiences over the last five hundred episodes, and you know, it's an important thing to see how far, you know, how how things have changed and how our experiences have changed and how our attitudes towards what we, you know, think are important things to do at the con have changed. That's why, you know, I thought I thought it was interesting that like you stopped going, and I kind of felt like. I kept going, but I just saw things change because I, you know, I guess my own attitudes towards things change. Things changed. So you know? I, I, one more thing before you know we we change on the topic, and unfortunately, I probably have to go soon. Um, but you know, I, I think the one of the reasons that draws keeps drawing back to conventions, and you know, part of it is you know obviously work related, some stuff I do, but um. It is seeing you do build a community with at these conventions, especially when you go to the ones outside of um, your your hometown, and that that's really been nice for me to to go to some of these. Where you know, um, I'll give you an example. There there are a couple of lawyers who you know it's taking you know that go to these conventions who you know one collects Golden Age art and um, you know another one he collects you know Thor original sketches and you know. It's taking us about like ten years, but I'm like, oh my god, like, what do you do for a living? And then we we start chatting, and um, we, you, you know, we we've kind of grown this community. Like, and you know, one of these lawyers turns out he's a client of my firm, and he was showing some of my colleagues their, his golden age art collection in in his office at work. And wow, I think that's been the nice part where it's like, you know, you know, I I friends who are comic artists, and like that's where I go to see them. It's like go to a convention and. We have a drink, so we're not hanging on the floor. I'm not like flipping through the books. And you asked me about like what's changed in my life over the last 12 years at conventions. Well, now, like, you know, look, I, I still go to San Diego every year. I still really enjoy it. I, I like having breakfast with like my friends, or like, you know, have going to happy hour, seeing some of them um, who work in the industry, and we just like, you know, chat um, and you know, lament. Uh, about we have the same rant about comic book conventions. Mm. Uh, we'll rant about that and 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 San Diego and we'll hurt you know. Um, I think that's been the nice part where um, I go now just to you know hang out hang out with my friends and we'll you know and you know I I love going to New York Comic Con and walking the floor with you Agent Seventy right like yeah. and we rant and we 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 talk about these like get we tell people get off my lawn yeah you know? like I I want to see some back issues here. Exactly. No, it's true. It's true. You know, and 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 yeah. our goals have changed at some of these co- conventions too. Because I stopped going. You know, like I completed a lot of my runs. You know, uh, you know, the one thing that I'm just hesitant to dive back into is like, you know, just keep building my uncanny run, going backwards. You know, I was like, now we're getting into some high price stuff. So, but um, but yeah, you know, that's it, it, it's it's interesting to to look back on. So, but anyway, so yeah, I let's think get to what some we'll current do... books. How about what's that? So, how about let's get into some current books while we still have right. What I was going to say let's is let's talk about a couple books, and then I'm also going to have to take exactly what I was okay. going to. I was going to. I was going to pass it to to you, PCN underscore Dirt, because I know that you're probably getting ready to go, so you could talk about you know a few books and your click of the week. Yeah, um, and actually, I was going to say I think I put my stack of books over here off to the side where I can't reach them without awkwardly moving 
near the uh, camera, so give me a second here. Um, and this was a week I bought a bunch of weird stuff. Um, I bought my usual DC Marvel stuff, but then I also bought um, a bunch of weird indie stuff uh, to read as well. And uh, I'm talking about three books uh, tonight, and I'll do my, uh, my click last. Um, but the first one I want to talk about is The Approach, number three, from Boom Studios. Um, this is a book, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to say it's The Thing at an airport in the middle of a snowstorm. So instead of being at the uh, South Pole uh, research station, um, it's just this airplane crashes at this uh, airport that's shutting down because of a massive snowstorm. And there's a monster on board. And this monster is basically eating people, absorbing their bodies and turning into a bigger monster as mm. everything's being shut down. Um, it's it's a, a great story. It's fantastic. It's uh, Jeremy Hahn, um, who for a long time was an artist and now he's turning into a writer. Um, and he's doing this story. The funny thing is, though, the print copy has misprint, uh, massive misprint issues, whereas the digital copy does not. And in fact, I was tweeting with him earlier. Um, my printed copy, it's fine through page 12, then it has an alternate coloring of page 13, then page 14, then page 15 is actually 13 reprinted with the correct colors. Oh, then page 16, then an alternate coloring of page 17, then 18, then the correct page of correct coloring of 17 is page 19, uh, then 20 is actually page 18 again, and then page 20 is page 19, and then everything continues on correct after that. So it's like a whole mess right there in the middle of the book with all these pages printed out of order and these, for some reason, things colored multiple times. Uh, so I don't know how this works. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it's a somebody had one job. Yeah, somebody I know it's, it's one job. So I don't know if the colorist just like wasn't paying attention and they just colored and then they they just kept coloring and they were like, well, this looks kind of familiar, but they just kept they colored it again. I don't know. Um, but it's been a fun story. Uh, I do appreciate it. Um, and this is number three. And I think four may, in fact, be the last issue. No, uh, it's actually, I just looked it up. It says f a three of five. So oh, you got five. two more to go. Okay. okay. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the second one, uh, it's called War Party Number One. And this is from Rampart, uh, Rampart Press, which is a brand new comic company I've never heard of before. In fact, I wondered if maybe this had started as a Kickstarter uh, that just now made it to stands. Um, because it looks like there's a lot of like background research and stuff that went into this. And there's a whole lot going on with this company in the background. Um, but the basic idea of the story is um, it's uh, colonial times in North America. Um, the French have staked out their area. Um, England has staked out their area. They both have uh, worked with different tribes. And so the tribes are at war with each other. Uh, the French and English are at war with each other. Um, but one thing that this researcher did when he was looking throughout history is that within French history, within English history, within the different tribes throughout all of, all of the Americas, there are all these different um, uh, all these different myths about skinwalkers and animal transformations. And so he thought, would it be interesting to combine all of these different myths and all these different stories together into one? So he does that within this 
uh, war during the colonial times. And so within these different uh, battles going on with the different tribes fighting each other, with the French and the English fighting each other and everything, there's some sort of war going on in the mystical realm with all these different skinwalker groups, with all these different people that turn into animals and uh, all this kind of stuff. Um, and the story is actually pretty dense. I was actually surprised at how much research went into it. And it's one of those books where um, I, I was surprised with the art, how well it stood up with the battle scenes going on. The characters are developed enough that you can follow the action. So it's pretty clear um, you'll see a scene where someone's getting shot and someone falls over and someone's, you know, swinging a hatchet and someone's falling backwards. And as all this stuff is going on, it's, it's clear. You can see that the person in the background of this frame is the person who's in the foreground of this frame is the person who's screaming in this frame. Like it all works. It, it's, it's surprising how well it's laid out and easy to follow. Um, so I, I was actually impressed. It's one of these things I bought simply because I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about the book. I knew nothing about the company. I just saw it sitting on the shelf, and I thought, well, this is weird. Uh, it's from a company I've never heard of, writer, artist I've never heard of, and it doesn't look like garbage, so I'm going to buy it. And nope. it turned out to be really good. So I enjoyed that one quite a bit. So that's War Party number one. Um, but my actual actual click, it's called Spy Superb number one. Uh, this is from Dark Horse, and this is part of their Flux House imprint from Matt Kent. And this book... Um, I believe it's only two issues, but each issue... No, is it's seven... three. Oh, is it three? Okay. It is three. But each issue is like 50 pages, and it's seven ninety nine uh, a piece. So these are big issues. Um, but it's basically, in World War II, uh, the French and English spy groups came together and tried to create the perfect spy. So basically James Bond is what you're looking at. You're watching this you know, flashback, and you're like, okay, they're trying to create James Bond. Except right in the middle of training, James Bond blows himself up. And there's this mishap, and he just detonates, and he's dead. Except the people he's training with go, did he really just blow himself up? And they go, no, it couldn't be. This was a decoy. They sent a fake to blow himself up to throw everybody off the trail, and the real guy is out there. And they realize that they didn't actually need a spy. They just needed a legend. And so that is the background of the story. So for the last however many years, there has been no super spy. There's been a legend of a super spy. And what they do is they just get ordinary people to do all their spy stuff without realizing they're doing all their spy stuff. So they'll, they'll send a package to your house. It has the wrong address. You look at it. You go, oh, this isn't for me. This is for uh, the, the place next door to where I work. So you take it with you, you get on the subway, you go to work, you drop it off at the building next door. You just delivered the secret plans to the place where they needed to go. You didn't realize it, but you just did the work of the awesome secret super spy without even realizing it. Huh. Now, the, the hook of this particular story, though, is that the guy that they just brought in to do their latest thing is such an idiot that he screws everything up so big, he totally gives away the fact that he's the one doing it without realizing that he's giving away the fact that he's the one doing it, that when the hit squad comes to kill him to get the secret plans, he accidentally sets one of them on fire, uh, drops one of them into the dishwasher full of knives and stabs him uh, in the back. He goes to grab the fire extinguisher to turn off 
uh, to to put out the guy who's on fire, clocks him in the head, knocks that guy out, like you know, just a total bumbling idiot, but in his idiocy becomes the super spy. So it's it's just one of these things that you know, there's so many layers of stuff that builds up, that builds up, that builds up to like just the ultimate of you're such a failure that you're the most brilliant spy of all time. And so I, I, I found myself actually laughing out loud a couple times reading this book. It is so outrageous, outrageously absurd. It's like Mr. Bean, um, you know, becoming the super spy. It just works and it's fantastic. So that is spy superb. Number one from dark horse. And, um, it's definitely like immediately this is going on my poll list. I'm going to make sure I get all the rest of this. That sounds also like some Pink Panther Inspector Clouseau's type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to check and, that out. And, and again, those are also uh, movies that uh, I'm looking to get on physical media to make sure that they never disappear uh, right. from my library. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I'm going I'm to check that one out then. You said that was also your click. click of the yes. Week. Okay. Okay. Wait, did you read um, Star Trek this week, by chance? No, I haven't been reading this series. Uh, okay. It's not bad. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty, pretty good. good. I've been yeah. reading it. You, as a DS9 fan, I it. think you would appreciate this particular issue specifically. But Yeah, because the, the best part about this... about this. Oh, uh, no, wait, 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 wait. Is this the one... The ongoing with Cisco as lead? Yeah. Oh, this is the one with Cisco. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yes, I, I am reading this. Okay. I just haven't read this one. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 There's the other one. There's the other. Yeah, yeah. There's the other one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so New Frontiers it seems or like, whatever. I'm not reading that. Right. So it seems like both you and Matt Wang have to step away. So we will, you know, give you guys a, a second to, uh, you know, to, to say your goodbyes, and we thank you for joining us on our 500th episode. Well, go ahead, Matt. Look. Thanks again um, uh, for welcoming me into your uh, community here. It's been, uh, um, I guess, it's so rare for me to, to to talk about a hobby and and a culture that I love so much. So I really appreciate you guys inviting me on and uh, hearing me uh, hearing my rants and uh, some of my crazy theories and uh, you know talk passionately about uh, some of the obscure things that I really enjoy, such as Operation Galactic Storm, which I have to explain to you. <laughs> I can explain that to someone recently. He was going to um, bring it up. <laughs> I'm just—I'm telling you, he, he was a comic book fan. He had never heard of it, so I had to walk him through why it was one of the best Avengers crossover series ever. <laughs> so, um, but uh, uh, thanks again. I, I always enjoy coming on here, and uh, and and even just listening I'll always brings a smile to my face. Well, Matt, we're going to have you, I, I'm going to say this right now, we're going to have you on real soon because there's a couple of topics we didn't get a chance to get to that I want that I want your input on, that I want you in on. So we'll, we'll be talking to you again pretty soon. I, I, I'm more than happy to join. All right. And, and Dirt? Uh, bye. <laughs> Man of many words, folks. <laughs> So Matt Wayne, I, mean, I, Matt Wayne, I, I, I really okay. don't have much to plug anymore these days. I mean, right. I, I, we were talking about this before the show. It's like I don't really do the videos anymore. Sure. Um, I, I stopped really, you know, doing all the stuff that I used to do online because uh, the last few years, a lot of stuff has Change. changed in my priority. Yeah. And right. uh, keeping up with the Joneses online has just really not been uh, 
not, not been at the forefront. But I, you know, I will say um, one of the things that I did the, the last few years, I've learned uh, how to make music. It's one thing I always wanted to do. Um, 80s synth wave is one of those things that I always loved. And nice. so I've uh, been playing around with that, uh, loops and samples and keyboards and all that fun stuff. So um, I have a SoundCloud. I put a bunch of stuff on there, and then I grabbed a couple tracks just to test it out. I put them out in wide release, so they're on iTunes and um, Amazon Music and, and uh, Spotify and uh, you know everywhere you can find Deezer. Uh, you, he's got Deezer. Uh, there's Saudi Arabia, the music the service, whatever it is there, you can find them there. They're all over the place. Um, but this spring, I'm going to have an actual 11 track album that will be coming out. So working on that now and going through all the certifications and um, you have to register each song and, and get everything lined up through all the music uh, registration services. And I'm actually a, a, a now a, a paid professional musician and music composer. So that's something else I can add onto my, my very, very long uh, resume, which also includes pro wrestling manager. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's quite a gamut of, of everything that I've gone through in my life, but, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of weird stuff. So like I said, at the beginning of the show, you can just kind of Google around, you can find stuff. I still have an IMDB page, uh, with some credits on it, some thank yous and some, some producers and producer credits and stuff like that. And, uh, um, also if you follow the nostalgia nerd on uh, YouTube, um, I'm one of the producers on, on his show there, so uh, make sure you check out that stuff too. So yeah, I do a lot of a lot of other stuff that you don't always see or hear about, but I'm always somewhere ghosting. All righty, thanks All PCN right. underscore Dirt. Thank you for joining. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for still yes. doing the show, guys. I'm glad oh, to see you're still here. Oh, oh, okay. Hey, we're just gonna be here, man. Till till. And, and I'm, to I'm glad to see Roddy got a nice nicer house. <laughs> Listen, I'm camped out on the corner of Mott Street and Baird every week. It's that oh, mysterious yeah, glamour yeah. right there. That's a, that's what you're seeing. <laughs> oh, so, but all right, anyway. fellas. Um, I'll I'll ask you something. I'll, I'll ask both y'all something I'll offline uh, after that, so we can go ahead and get your get you guys squared away. But uh, thank you guys for for coming on. We appreciate you as always. You know, obviously, you both can come back, come back whenever. <laughs> that's all I got is an open invitation yeah. thanks for having me, I'll see ya alright, take it easy guys, thank nice. you alright so I will all be right. spinning up rapid yes. fire yes here we go folks, rapid fire comic book reviews incoming I ain't got time to bleed So, and since I don't have quickly. covers, this is going to go faster than normal. So, Hey, Batman number 131. So the main story is written by, well, both stories are written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, the main story is penciled by Mike Hawthorne uh, with inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, colors by Tomo Mori, and letters by Clayton Cowles. The backup story uh, is drawn as pencils by Miguel Mendoza, uh, inks by uh, no, actually, just art by Miguel Mendoza, uh, colors by Roman Stevens, and again, letters by Clayton Cowell. So we get to the aftermath of the failsafe story, and it's a little on the weird side, kind of alternate dimensiony, and did not sit well with me. So I will leave it at that. Next up is Star Trek number three from IDW, which we were just talking about with PCN underscore dirt. It's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Ramon Rosanas and Joe Eisma. 
or Yzma. Colors by Lee Luffridge and letters by Clayton Cowles out on his own uh, freelancing, not with VC, obviously. So, uh, you know, as we were talking about, this is the Benjamin Sisko led title. I'm glad that, that that Dirt is reading this because it is a good book. I enjoyed this book this week. Um, it is a candidate for Click of the Week for me. What about you? Oh, same. This is a strong candidate for Click of the Week for this one. And, and I say that, like I said to him earlier, as a, as a DS9 fan, you know, specifically, but also some of the other stuff that they kind of chose to, uh, chose to kind of, uh, bring up from the annals of Star Trek. It was, was pretty, some pretty good pulls. One, unfortunately, is one that one character will never get, get, get away from, but nevertheless, right. It was a great, it was a great, uh, read. Right, right. No, no, it was. I enjoyed reading it. Alrighty, next up is Avengers number 64. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Javier Garone, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. It's another chapter in the battle between the Avengers and the uh, univer- uh, the multiversal masters of evil, that is. Uh, but we do have a little bit of uh, story development here because we find out that the uh, the multiversal doom has been working behind the scenes and he's making moves. So we will see how that goes. And unbeknownst to me, I did not realize this Avengers Assemble story was going to stretch into April. So we have a few more months of this. You know, I had I had assumed that it would be over like in the early part of 2023. I was wrong. We're going deep into the spring. Uh, uh, with Avengers Assemble. So we still have some time to see, you know, what that, when that announcement's going to come over about who the, um, the new Avengers writer is going to be. Do you have anything to add? No, I didn't get a chance to read it. Okay. I was about to say, I'm trying not to spoil too much because I, you know, I want to, I have not yet looked at body cats list. Next up is captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Number eight. It's written by Jackson Lansing with Colin Kelly and Colin Kelly. That is, Art with art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not going to be my click of the week. I had a few issues with this issue. No pun intended. First and foremost is that, yeah, you know, I kind of don't like, you know, there was, there was one notation here. And I understood, you know, the character that was saying it was black. Well, he described Steve Rogers as the white Captain America. And I kind of stopped in place and was shocked right out of this, you know, like, you know, like the, my suspension of disbelief, you know, like my engagement with the story just stopped. Right. And I see, you know, for anyone watching the video, Roddy Cat is nodding and chuckling at this. <laughs> right. And oh, I and, and I just can't, you know, I, I was reading this. I just stopped. I mean, I, I get why that is for you. I, I get that why yeah. that is because he is to you he is Captain America and Sam right. Wilson just kept you know he's good you know the other Captain America basically or the Falcon in Captain America dress basically to you but at the same time I'm thinking about where this kid's coming from exactly he, no, exactly so, that's the point it's right. the, it's about who's saying it right. right and I get that's why it's a thing that's why but I'm also it's chuckling important. right but I'm also chuckling because of the, the, that that he said that that was does exactly. Exactly. So, but and then the second thing involves Emma Frost, <clears throat> right? And a bit of a crossover that 
that that that you know I I I think someone wrote an article on it and I saw it in my social media feed and I was like, yeah, this is kind of silly, right? And I and and at the end of the day, I understand why they pulled Emma Frost into the story, but it just didn't seem like a very cap move. But you know what? You know, times are changing. Well, so uh, so on that real quick, so. I'm kind of curious about that also because one, she's we also know she's going to be in Iron Man uh, coming up soon. So I'm right. curious as to why Emma is getting so much play le- recently, lately. But also remember, it was like I the only reason why I let that part go was because it was like, okay, yeah, they did have that conversation at the gala, exactly, but, and, and that's so, how that's how most people are. But it was kind of right. But I was like, yeah, but I'm still kind of with you on that because I was like, okay, this is a weird reason for her to come on, even though I get it given the premise of what's going on. I'm like, okay, that's still kind of. There's one group of mutants that has multiple powerful telepaths and you pick one of them. That's not Emma Frost, you know, there is that also. Right. So, but you know, but, but you know, they do things for the story, you know, they're going to create tension, romantic, sexual, or otherwise, you know what I mean? <laughs> give so that's give the, Steve a safe word, you know? <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, uh, or at least a code word. That's well, I think sure, that's what yeah. it is. It's a code. It's more of a code word. Like, hey, I'm calling you, and this is what I'm going to use, or this is what I'm telling you to use. That's how it came off, right? Right. So, so I'm just like, oh, you know, but I just kind of from that from that conversation yeah. that they had, right? Right. <laughs> so, but in any event, you know, th- this is not my click of the week, folks. Fantastic Four number three is next. It's written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This was a fun issue. You know, this is the third issue of this opening Fantastic Four arc. It focuses on Jonathan Storm, a.k.a. the Human Torch. We find out he may not be going by those identities right now for certain reasons. The best part of this issue, <laughs> the best part of this issue was the end when they said, Guess what? We're we're gonna tell you what yes. happened in the time jump in the next issue. Not like Zeb Wells, right? Not te- now. Granted, they teased it in, in in issue two, but still, they were like, "Nope, this is it. We're gonna actually get." So I'm still, I still have a little bit of intri- tr- a little bit of trepidation about it, dude. Because like sometimes they'll be like, "Yeah, hey, we're gonna actually do this," but then like, "Nah, we're just gonna still tease a little bit more." But I think they're actually they're actually going to well, because it to us. it's the fourth issue right. of the fantastic four book <laughs> right but but the other side of that was like i love that johnny has johnny uh tries to have a secret identity and it's the worst secret identity but then again it's johnny because he's kind of a lunk a himbo kind of i guess yeah I was, I was gonna say like that's definitely one characterization of johnny storm that i'm not comfortable with but right. i understand right but but that's what made this issue funny also like, right. yeah, like, yeah, we knew and all this other stuff that was around it and the 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 person he was up against, that was like, huh, interesting. I, I was kind of wondering who they're going to put him up against given his power set, but that could have been just about anybody. So, Right, and I like the twist on it. Right. I like the twist on it. So next up is Scarlet Witch number one. Did you have a chance to read this? I did. It's written by Steve Orlando with art by Sarah Pichelli or Pichelli. Inked by Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Cord Petit. I enjoyed this issue. It is a very slow play on a setup, right? There is no immediate setup of a conflict 
There's no big bad setup right away. It's more about setting up what Wanda's new status quo potentially could be, what her new goals in her, you know, what her new kind of aims are, her life goals, what she's looking to get out of superheroing right now. And I enjoyed that. So that's my take on this. So I did too, and this is this is actually the second solo Scarlet Witch book, which I'm glad about. Um, and the other one was pretty good. I can't remember who the who the, who the, the writer was. Um, might have been James Robinson or something, but I can't remember. Regardless, um, the premise that this sets up is kind of interesting and amusing in a science fiction slash the supernatural sense, because it's almost like a Twilight Zone type situation, except for she's setting it up for people in need or like a like a Twilight Zone slash Equalizer um, <laughs> kind of uh, situation going on without going too far into it. But also, and, I, and you probably picked up on it, she recast Pietro. I'm sorry, she... She recast Pietro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, Darcy's in the book. Yes. So I was like, wait, is this has this been established that this is that Darcy? Because they never did give her her last name. I think so. Yeah, or, or at least the version of that Darcy. Right, right. right. Like, is is you? If you look at that character, you you're gonna pretty much go ahead and say it's that character, but it's not. It doesn't go as far as Kat Dennings in the MCU, but you can still tell. But also, right. like I said, the the uh, and I don't know if that was an art choice or not, but the uh, Quicksilver that shows up in this issue looks very familiar for from in, in uh, to uh, an MCU version of the same yeah. character. Exactly, exactly. All right, next up is Shang-Chi, Master of the Ten Rings, annual number one. It's written by Gene Luen Yang with art by Michael YG, colors by Eric Arseniega, and proto-bunkers Fair Cifuentes Sujo, or Suho, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is the finale of 25 issues worth of storytelling from Gene Luen Yang. So I kind of understand why they decided to wrap it like this. Because it does wrap up several loose ends, but keeps things open for future stories to be told with Shang-Chi and the Five Weapons Society and all these other characters. I actually like this issue. This is a candidate for Click of the Week for me because of the concept and the storytelling and the whole point of coming to terms with the ancestry of Shang-Chi, the shared ancestry uh, uh, that he has with the other, you know, members of the ten uh, of the five uh, weapon society uh, that he, you know, like prior to this run with Gene Luen Yang, he did not know about. So I really liked how they treated the <clears throat> familiar ties and how they put not a bow on it, but kind of settled how everyone should treat that particular aspect of his origin. Right, and we and speaking of familiar um, stuff, the yeah, he did, we definitely get to see a uh, a different side of a a let's say a major figure in his life uh, uh, out of this. I'm still thinking they could have just kind of just folded this into like two issues of the of the volume proper, but I also see why they just went ahead with the note. We're just going to type everything right here and there. So I kind of get that, but like they still could have done it with it with another issue or two. Uh, of the, the, it might be, the I was about to say, I wonder if it's not because one, you know, it probably read better as like a giant issue. Possible. Or two, or two, maybe they just wanted to have that 25th issue for like an omnibus. Just to make it like a nice, neat collection. Hmm. 
I didn't think about that. That's, that's also possibly true. But um, I kind of want to say that's this... something else that's changed. Hold that thought. Right. That's something else that's changed in the ten years of us doing the ten plus years of the, us doing this show and five hundred episodes. Is that we, now we think about trade like. It was always something that was in the back of our mind. We'd right. always talked about it in like the comic book shops, like trade collecting and, and, and you know, trade publishing. And now, now we actively think, well, you know, 10 issues is enough for like a nice trade. 25 is like a nice, you know, big trade or an omnibus style thing. So, hey, why not? Go ahead. Right. Um, I actually forgot what I was about to say. So Stop That's right. Uh, go ahead. Maybe I'll think about it. But go, keep going. Right. Uh, was it about Shang-Chi specifically? Uh, it was, but I, uh, I don't remember what it was about, so don't worry about it. Um. <clears throat> oh, sorry about that, folks. Uh, next up is Spider-Man number four. It's written by Dan Slott with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell and Andrew Hennessy, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VC's Clayton Cowell. So, yeah, this issue did not go the way I thought it would. Um, you know, all hope seems lost. And the spiders are, you know, starting to like see uh, things go the wrong way. While Shathra, the spider wasp, uh, is, you know, kind of, you know, gaining the upper hand. And when all hope seems lost, the one true original comes back. But it's not who you think. Did you happen to read this? I did, and yes, I agree with you on that. I was like, huh, okay, I see that they they were. They were setting things up, and I was like, "Yeah, this looks bleak, and it's all um, uh, Empire Strikes Back and whatnot." But but they still kept teasing. It was like, "Oh wait, no, this person's got uh, something that they're holding in their pocket," and then they kept talking about the secret weapon and this another this. So I was like, "Okay, just go ahead and get to it." Um, and yeah, like you like you said, it wasn't it's it wasn't who you thought it was, but it is. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like. Okay, I was wondering why this character was brought in the way they were when, uh, during the uh, Edge of Spider Verse. Right. Because I think, because this is, I hate to say it's, it's Slot's playbook, but, you know, but I feel like Slot has done a similar thing before and then this character ends up being something. Or maybe not. He could, you know, he has, he has uh, thrown us a curveball before. So uh, that, that could also change. But the fact that it's like, okay, well, here's what's going on. And then here's this other character that's that. Um, which also, weirdly enough, he does and does not play into Gold Goblin, but I'll get into that in a second. So, gotcha. gotcha. There's some weird things going on here. But, right. And ahead. my last book is X Men Red Number 10, which uh, at TimDog98 made his click of the week, and he's already, spo- he's already spoken about it. So, and I think I touched on it a little bit. So, um, you know, I enjoyed X Men Red Number 10. It is a candidate for click of the week for myself as well. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I only got two books left, and that is the aforementioned Gold Goblin number three, which is written by um, Christopher Cantwell, pencils by Lam Medina, uh, inks by Lam Medina, Scott Hanna, and Wayne Foucher, uh, color artist Antonio Fabella and Andrew Crossley and D. Conniff, oh, and uh, Pete Panzitis, excuse me, uh, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this is that whole, hey, um, Norman Dazzle was a hero. It's dark web still going on. And, you know, Peter's off doing something else. Or kind of is he? Judging by the, what happens at the end of this book. Um, uh, so that, which I won't go into in just a case of um, uh, uh, Age of Seven decides to read this. But, um Basically, he has a run in with a couple of people and even and tries to talk to. Well, excuse me, he runs into one person and actually 
tries to talk to them, which which is found, you know, I guess is growth for, you know, Norman slash Green Goblin. But but it was also in service of him trying to go after this other person uh, who he's um, trying to go after for for reasons of his past, let's just say. And also there's a birthday party in the midst of Dark Web and all this other stuff going on. So I'm seeing here like, okay, must be nice to be rich. <laughs> right. So, and there's a funny little thing that happens during that said uh, birthday party, uh, which was kind of funny and or sad, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But um, that's that. I, I'm not sure this book is still worth anything, but that, you know, it's, it's, it's a book that's out there during this dark web. Dark web still don't ring all that great to, to either one of us. So um, there's that. The last book for me, Magic the Gathering, number 22, which is written by Jed McKay and Rich Doick. Um, illustrations by Giorgio um, Spalletta and Alberto Locatelli, excuse me. Uh, colors by Francesco Segala and Gloria Martinelli, and also Ariana Consani. And letters by Ed Dukeshire. So you got um, two different groups of planeswalkers looking for pretty much the same uh, people or in two different ways. Like one set is looking for uh, um, the, the set for they're all pretty much starting to come together for a reason. But they're look, they're looking for two separate people for the in the same uh, same group because of things that they have uh, something to do with. So they're pretty much taking a problem from two different sides. Unfortunately, they're seemingly coming into uh, contact or they're going to be coming into contact with a big bad in the Magic the Gathering universe, whose name I will not speak because you, I guarantee you, if you are a Magic the Gathering fan, you probably already know who that is by me just saying that much. Um... That's being said, but yeah, uh, so that's the thing that's kind of going on with this, and uh, that is my books for the weeks. Clicks of the week, clicks of the week. So we already told you the 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 the, uh, the other two from Dirt and Tim. I uh, wish we would have gotten one from Matt. Actually, we forgot to ask if he was if he was even reading anything for this week, but right, right, he had to go. So yeah. sorry, sorry about that, Matt. Um, uh, do you have candidates? Because I at least have a few candidates. I still have to come up with mine. Although uh, I do have a strong sense of what I'm going to choose. I think, yeah, strong candidate. Um, Star Trek number three, like I said earlier. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what was the other one? Um, Magic was all right. Scarlet Witch. Oh, Scarlet Witch and Fantastic Four. Um. Uh, are candidates but i think i'm actually going to go with uh and this probably no surprise the way i was glowing about it star trek number three yeah that's that's one of mine right that's a strong candidate uh in addition to shang chi master of the ten rings annual number one just because i really liked how you know the 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 story while you know uh, uh kind of predictable wasn't and I liked how they, I, I liked how they treated, you know, dealing with those tough parts of the family right. history. Right. You know, I really liked that. That made it made so much cultural sense. It made so much practical sense. You know, it's you know th- that that's like a 
a way to look at things that crosses cultural boundaries. Right. You know, that's something that everyone can read. You do not have to be of Chinese descent. You don't have to be of Asian descent to kind of get, you know, what that could mean for you if you have similar, maybe not, you know, Zhengzhou yellow claw <laughs> issues, but, you know, not that bad, but uh, you, you may have something similar in your life. And that's an interesting, you know, it, it, it was, I think a very uh, uh, well done way of portraying that on the comic book page. That's why I'm, I'm actually going to choose that even though I am very partial to star Trek number three, because I enjoyed the hell out of that issue. Yeah. It was really so, cool. so I'm going to go with Shang-Chi master of the 10 rings annual number one as the capper to Gene Luen Yang's Shang-Chi storytelling at Marvel. So wait, so that is, it is they are building it as an annual because I did not see that. Yeah, ma- annual number one. Okay. Um. Okay. Cool. Then I'll put that down there for you. And like I said, mine's Star Trek number three because yeah, it was great. If you're a Star Trek fan, especially and DS Nine fan, I think you will appreciate some of the things that come up in in this particular uh this particular issue. And I think you'll enjoy yeah. this ongoing so far because it's been it's been pretty fun so far. Uh, just all the way around. So there is Absolutely, that. absolutely. And with that, we're going to move on to the news. Let's get uh, an ad read out of the way. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. Now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order when you get to the checkout put in the offer code shop 10 for your 10 percent off discount funco through cspn.us do it today and no you are not listening to the combo chronicles on one and a half speed <laughs> we are just going quickly now because we spent a lot of time with our former co-hosts with our you know they're not technically our former co-hosts they're still our co-hosts they're just mostly in absentia so uh, you know, it was nice to have the Voltron back. We're going into the news. Cinematic news. We don't have a whole lot of news, and so this is going to go fairly briskly, though. Uh, I forgot to mention this last week, but Stanley documentary uh, documentary will arrive on Disney Plus in 2023. Um. Uh, it says, yeah, it's, um, let's see. Uh, this just came out on his uh, 100th birthday, which we talked about last week. Um, what is the name of it? I'm trying to see. But it's basically saying that Disney Plus has announced that there's an original documentary on, um, on Stanley and it'll arrive in 2023. It doesn't look like much else, uh, is, is said in this article that I have. There was another article I had, but it's not showing up. So there you go. Next up. Next, uh, Marvel confirms Echo Agatha Coven of Chaos 2023, 2023 release window. So apparently Marvel UK and Ireland have since deleted the tweet listing both Echo and Agatha Coven of Chaos as part of the 2023 release slate. A new blog post from Disney Plus Japan confirmed that only three MCU shows, Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, and Ironheart are currently plans for release in 2023. So that uh, go, you know, kind of falls in line with some reports that 
said that uh, Marvel Studios may be pushing some things out of 2023, but we will see what happens. And speaking of Agatha, um, Agatha Harkness spinoff cast another one division returning actor, and that would be that 70s shows uh, and that 80s and 90s shows, um, Deborah Jo Rupp, uh, who will replies her Wonder Vision role in uh, Agatha Coven of Chaos, uh, which is according to Deadline. Uh, yeah, there's nothing, nothing, nothing else said outside of the fact that she's going to uh, be her, her, the character she was in uh, WandaVision, which is kind of curious, given um, where that show, how that show ended, and what happened to those the, the other characters. But I guess we'll find out. Uh, maybe there's something more to this character that we did not know in, in WandaVision. Next up. Next. Uh, get a sneak peek at Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So, uh, it debuts on the Disney Channel on February 10th, and you can get an early look at it. It'll come on Disney Plus soon after. Uh, you can watch a sneak peek of it on YouTube. Uh, Jerry Maroner was, uh, recently in an accident, uh, and apparently we just found out, or with there's been, I wouldn't say there's conflicting reports, but uh, I'm not sure. Most of the ones I've heard saying that Jerry Renner, y'all know who that is, I don't have to necessarily say, um, was on, had a snowplow accident where he got really badly hurt. Uh, he mm-hmm. has since um, like tweeted or had someone tweet from the hospital saying, like, yeah, he's kind of banged up right now, but he's he seems to be in stable condition. But what comes to find out that it seems like he was helping a family member whose car was stranded in the snow when he was involved in the slow plow accident last Sunday, according to the police office uh, around where he is. So apparently uh, um, his snowcat fell on him. Yeah. Or... Well, it says here a piece of a snow, a piece of snow removal equipment weighing at least fourteen thousand pounds. That's the snowcat he was snowcat he was driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, said he got out of his uh, piston bully to speak to his family member, and then observed the it started to roll, and then it rolled into him. Ouch! He said, well, he said he was trying to get back into the driver's seat, and uh, yeah, that's what yeah, he not got good. Him. Yeah, that's not good at all. So it sounded like he was pretty, pretty banged up, but it sounded like he was stable. Uh, he was in, I think he was in ICU, but stable, something like that, last I checked. But then I think, like I said, I found out that... Uh, yeah, stable, critical, but stable condition. Correct. Yeah, but then uh, he tweeted like a, probably a day or two later saying, like, yeah, he's still pretty, pretty banged up, but, um, but you know, still around, basically. Mm-hmm. Next up. Yeah, I did see. I did see that. All right, mm. uh, Warner Brothers Discovery removes over half, two hundred and fifty episodes worth of Looney Tunes from HBO Max. Uh... All right, so season sixteen through thirty-one of the classic animated series, representing two hundred fifty-six of the five hundred eleven episodes, which had been hosted on the streaming platform, have been taken down from the streamer. This comes on the heels of Aquaman, King of Atlantis, Infinity Train, and the majority of Sesame Street episodes dropping away from HBO Max as well. Apparently, they took off a couple of seasons of The Flintstones also. 
uh, according to this article. So the hell are they doing? <laughs> no uh, idea. The, yeah. The Flash's final season is bringing back three Arrowverse favorites. And those would be Wally West, uh, played by uh, Kenyon Lonsdale, John Diggle, played by David Ramsey, and Ramsey Rosso, played by Sindil uh, Murthy. That last one, I have no idea who that is. But um says Diggle and Rosso are confirmed to appear in the ninth episode of the ninth season. And um, Eric Wallace, the showrunner, took time to make a statement about the returning guest stars and the role they will play as uh, the roles they will play as the Flash draws to a close, which we I'm not going to go through all of that. So next up. It's uh, anime corner time. Mm-hmm. Uh, One Piece film Red crushes Japan's 2022 box office. So three anime movies made over 10 billion yen at Japan's box office this year. And One Piece film Red is the country's most profitable movie for 2022. That's uh, pretty good news. It managed to take over 10 billion. Uh, uh, no, actually, it earned an astounding uh 18.78 billion yen roughly 134 million dollars mm-hmm. making it japan's top performing movie uh for 2022 two other anime films also managed to make over 10 billion yen this year one of them is jujutsu kaisen zero uh which debuted late december 2021 but made most of its money in 2022 and makoto shinkai's suzumi no tojimari brought in 10 billion yen that last one is the one that i am not familiar with i did watch jujutsu kaisen zero when it hit crunchyroll yeah i still haven't seen that yet um people love some some one piece also it's it's astounding to me but i i am i'm afraid to try to get into it you know what keep that fear (laughs) i'm just afraid yeah understood my Hero Academia season uh, healthy, six. I was about to say a healthy fear for some things is good. Yes, exactly. It's particularly that beast. Um, uh, My Hero Academia season six Blu-ray fixes an embarrassing error. Um, so it says here that uh, if you did not know, the first Blu-ray from My Hero uh, Academia season six has gone live, and it features a fair few revisions. From updated character art to enhanced animations, uh, the bundle does a lot to make Season 6 look its best. This includes a revision involving Shoji because, well, the boy was never meant to be in the scene. Whatever that means. Because he wasn't in the end, he wasn't in the manga. He was never supposed to be in that particular group because they're split up. Oh, gotcha. So the artist blew it, you know, like the artist and the director blew it because they just gotcha. didn't notice that he, he didn't realize he's not supposed to be there. Gotcha. Yeah, and it does kind of go into that. Okay, cool. Next up. All right. Uh, so we are transitioning over into the manga news. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, hold on. I'm still scrolling. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Manga news. Chainsaw Man. 
updates fans on its new control devil. So Chainsaw Man has offered fans an update on the new control devil with the newest chapter of the series. So this is manga stuff, folks. So if you, like me, have only ever interacted with Chainsaw Man via the anime, this has spoilers sprinkled heavily into the story. But that's essentially the gist of it. There is a new control devil it's a concept foreign to the people who are just anime fans. So if you're looking to get into this, go check out the manga. My understanding is that it proved to be very popular when it was coming out uh, just before the pandemic started and was like sold out in a lot of places because people like flocked to it as something to read during the height of the pandemic. Right. And a lot of in, in a few different cases is the reason why they get an anime uh, um, adaptation. Right. Because right. The manga so right. Popular. Specifically because of, no, but specifically for the for that like kind of boost in sales. Right. Because people home and my understanding is that like at the um, oh goodness, what's that store's name? Not book off. That's another like kind of a Japanese uh, style. Right stuff. Uh, store that sells. What's that? Right stuff. No, 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 no. It's the uh, the like the Japanese bookstore that sells uh manga. Um, I know the name. It's it's it, it, it. I think it starts with a K, but um. But ultimately, I'll get back to you on that. But yeah. So uh, uh, I I remember reading stories about how Chainsaw Man was like selling out at that particular time. Right. Uh, let's see. Dragon Ball Super addresses the difference between its two trunks. Um. So it says here that Dragon Ball Super is entering a new phase following the conclusion of the Granola the Survivor arc. Taking a break from world-ending battles to focus instead on Goten and Trunks as teenagers attempting to patrol the streets, uh, their city streets as their as the newest superheroes. Oh Lord, Gohan, why? <laughs> I know it was you, Gohan. Uh, thanks to all the Z fighters not falling in battle against. Uh, you know what? I won't. I'm not going to spoil all of that because some of this is probably being spoiled for me also. But I won't remember. But. Basically, the article goes into the difference between um, future trunks and, I guess, present day trunks, and the um, the, uh, the the current super artist went into details about the differences between the two trunks and how future trunks' life had made him a much different version than his younger self, who has, as this article says, has not been nearly as traumatized in his younger years. And if you know the history of trunks and and um, uh, Dragon Ball, you understand what that means. Next up. Kino Kunia, USA. So okay. that's, a. I mean, you know, here in New York, there's a couple of them, right? Okay. So, um, actually, no, actually in New York, there's only one. There's one in Jersey. You know, there's like, I don't think there's one in uh, your area of the country. They do have them so. in... No, no, there's, there's one in... There's one in New York, there's one in Jersey, there's one in Chicago, there's one in two in Texas. And yeah, like three in Texas. Stuff like that doesn't normally and I'm saying like for, for, for Seattle, like right. Normally come, but yeah, right? it's a yeah, I was I thought maybe there was one in Atlanta. That's why I kept scrolling down just to see if there was one in, at least yeah. in that like area of the country. Yeah, if there would be that probably would be. Like we don't even have a a micro center as I have groused about previously. <laughs> Actually, well, take the back. There is one close, but that's in North Atlanta, but nevertheless. Anyway, right. um but, yeah, that's uh that's that. But um uh I think we're transitioning over to comic news. Uh no, there's another there's another 
Is there? Did I miss one? Oh, fusion. Yeah. Dragon Ball introduces a new fusion. Saiyajin. So, um, Dragon Ball has been around for decades, and at this point, it's fusion fighters are known the world over. From from Vegito to Kojita, the anime has, and I'm opening the article now. Uh, the anime has. Um, Shown time and again how powerful fusions can be in battle when the time comes. So, um, thanks to Dragon Ball Legends, the video game, one of the latest clips f- uh, uh, around a new trailer for its upcoming update reveals a new fusion centered around two beloved Saiyajins, Shallot and Giblet. Okay. From Studio Giblet, no doubt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, now oh. we're going over into the comic book news with... Oh, okay. I was, I was about to say, this is what I was getting ready to play. Marvel Comics reveals a Frankenstein monster made from X-Men parts. Um, and this is the from the cover art for X-Force uh, number 38. Wait, is that this week's X-Force? Yeah. 39, I think it is? 38. 38, According yeah. to this article, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Marvel Comics released a cover art for X-Force 38, and it looks like they're getting super weird in the X-Men universe, as if that... Oh, no, it's, thing. this is the March 1st, 2023 one. I, I apologize. Oh, okay. I just threw the article. But there, was a, but there was one this this week. There was one this week. I just missed the number. Yeah, okay, and I'm looking in the wrong place for that anyway. So either way... um. If you are looking at the Vito version, you can see the cover where there is a indeed a, a Frankenstein-esque monster uh, on a table uh, made with some notable X-Men's parts. Which I guess it makes sense because, uh, you know, with those, as many times as they died, I'm pretty sure there's been people. Matter of fact, it, is, it has been a thing before, uh, in, I think, in X-Force because of um, what happened to Domino. But either way... Uh, and then there's a plot summary for 38 that says it's all been leading up to this. Uh, Xenos showdown with X-Force and the terrible truth of their horror show experiments. Who or what is the Omnimutant? Dun, dun, dun. And as Seventy said, yeah, it's coming out March 1st, 2023. Next up. Next up. Miles Morales is on the verge of losing his superhero girlfriend. Hey. So, um, so Starling is threatening to end things if he doesn't get his life in order. That's the bottom line. I so this is a whole conversation that I probably will have with, by myself. I'm, I'm sure about this because, because, um, and I feel like it's come up online uh, recently about like, yeah, there are not many couples uh, in the. Marvel universe that much less does DC, but but sticking to Marvel, like there's the only couple that is actually still around that has never had well they've had problems, but never you know uh, broken up or, or or anything is Sue and Reed basically. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much anybody else, you know, has, has gone through some other stuff and either. I was about to say Sue and Reed have had their own problems. Obviously, they have, but, but yeah. they're still together after all this time. Mm-hmm. Like right, right. You know, to Charlotte Storm, notably for me, some would say Storm and uh, Forge, because, you know, there's that. Well, wait, um, Rogue and Gambit are still together. Gambit, I guess. right. So they're, so they're, but they're still newer. I mean, they've been doing it for long, but they just got married. So, uh, like, within the last few years, 
So yeah, I mean, they may be Shadow the, Cat, Shadow Cat, and Colossus, obviously well, because that was tied into mix that up too. No, but so. my point is, like, as soon as you said Rogue and Gambit, that's where that twist came in, right? You know, the wedding twist, right? Right. So that made me remember that, right? So, but you know, like I said, that's a whole another conversation for a whole another time. Anywho's. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's young. Miles is young. You know, he's, yeah, he got time. Anyway, <laughs> Han Solo and Chewbacca discover the Empire's dirtiest secret. Um, which I just thought about something. Uh, we'll talk about at the end of the news section. Um, briefly. But, uh, this is for Star Wars and Han Solo, Chewbacca number eight. And, uh, let's see. Basically, something with Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. Excuse me. Get him in his whatever's. Uh, and some alien named Phaedra as they try to get back to the Millennium Falcon. Oh, they try to get the Millennium Falcon back from Greedo and has something to do with sanitation. So I don't know if they end up going back into the garbage chute again or something. But nevertheless, there you go. Next up. Marvel Snaps first season of 2023 takes you to the Savage Land. Okay. So, um, right after the Power Cosmic, Marvel Snap is setting out to explore new territory. And uh, you, as a player, step into the Savage Land. Okay. Yep, that's the new battle pass that just started. Zabu is the card that you get, and there's already a Kazar card, so and that's supposed to be pretty good. I hadn't been on there in a couple of days. Uh, Wizards of the Coast reportedly cancels five video game projects. Uh, according to this article, it says Bloomberg specifically cites independent studios, Other Side Entertainment, and Hidden Path Entertainment as being impacted by cancellations. Uh, Hidden Path was working on a Dungeons & Dragons video game with postings made for the game as late as September 22, while Other Side Entertainment was also reportedly working on the Dungeons & Dragons game. Uh, it says less than 15 employees of Wizards of the Coast will also lose their jobs. But Bloomberg states that all will be given the opportunity to apply for other positions within the company, as big as it is. That's me editorializing that last part. So that kind of sucks that they're doing, that's going through, but hopefully these people land on their feet. Uh, didn't necessarily go through all of the um, uh, video games that are affected, but I think I probably know at least one or two. Next up. Dynamite Entertainment has announced a bold, all-new vision of the Princess of Mars, Deja Thoris, coming this March. Writer Chuck Brown returns to chronicle an untold chapter set before the events of the first classic novel by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This is... Uh, set for... It's solicited in January 2023. Preview slated for release in March 2023. So look at it. Uh, see if you can't uh, add it to a pull list, you know, so you can order it on pre- through previews. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see the um, the, the, the covers that they're showing up. Uh, obviously, you know, well, probably not for kids, let's say. <laughs> uh, Luke, excuse me, not Luke, Luther, Lex Luthor created a knockoff of one of Superman's most iconic devices. And this is a spoiler for Action Comics number 1050, which I believe was, was that last week or this week? I think that was last week. I think it was last week. Either way, in the anniversary edition, uh, Action Comics number 50, uh, 1050, um, Superman's secret identity as Clark Kent is restored, as is his son's identity, uh, secret identity, 
while discuss while discussing this massive change with his wife, Lois Lane, Clark begins to hear a sound that prevents him from hearing anything else. Uh, quickly realizing that it's a signal signal calling for him, which if you know where this is going, folks, you know the what what it is. Basically, Jimmy Olsen's signal watch. Apparently, uh, Lex Luthor created one of his own for similar purposes for some reason. Next up. Next up. So this is st- this actually still this still has not happened, right? Because right. of uh, governmental dysfunction. Yes, there you that's go. the that was, kindest that's nice way, way to put it. Put it. <laughs> that is a very you nice way to put it. Right. So when California Congressman Robert Garcia swears into the new Congress, eventually he'll do so on a copy of the Constitution. But Superman number one, a copy from the Library of Congress, is going to be included in the pile that are going to be underneath the Constitution. Uh, Basically, these are uh, items that have personal meaning to him. So when he's finally sworn in, he'll be being he'll be uh, doing so on a copy of the U.S. Constitution. But it's going to he's going to have three items underneath the Constitution that have personal meaning to him, including a copy of 1939's Superman number one. So, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, when it happens, it happens. We'll see. Yeah. Apparently, this article goes on to where it goes back to November 13th, 2022, uh, where uh, this is his words. He was like he's freaking out because he's in the Library of Congress. And he pulled a copy of that's at the aforementioned Super Superman book, but also Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. Mm. So I would love to go to the Library of Congress because um, he was like, I could because he says in his tweet, I can pull any comic book from what is the largest public comic collection in the country and read them here. Let's go! You know, so that's you awesome. Be, I know, right? I guess he's a, this is a kind of a youngest fellow. Um, I was about to say, I need to hit up my former classmate who's a member of the House of Representatives, someone connected to myself and Matt Wang 97. Like, hey, can I go into the Library of Congress? (laughs) (laughs) Can I I peruse the stacks real quick, please? Yeah. (laughs) And last but not least here, folks, our last news item of the night. Roddy Cat has the honor of this one. The Joker shocks fans by becoming pregnant. Uh, I believe, do we? So we were talking about this early in the show, I think before the show, actually, um, right. with, with Tim, uh, who was, who's actually doing the reporting on this. So apparently this is a article contains spoiler for, uh, the, the Joker, the man who stopped laughing number four, which I guess is already out, uh, particularly a story that's in it. Uh, so before you get too crazy in it, uh, it says that there's a backup story, uh, that finds the Joker in this game attempting to steal all the water in, in Gotham River because that's a very Joker plot. But uh, he runs into Zatanna and uh, she does a spell. And uh, if you think about the title that I just gave you, kind of goes into that. So Joker not really pregnant and it's all you know part of the story, which I guess you could read yourself if you are so inclined. Mm-hmm. Weird. But comics are weird. So that being that, and that being the end of the news. Uh, however, uh, before we get into the last ad read real quick, because there was something we forgot to mention uh, prior to the show, but we also had other people on the show. Agent of Seventy and I both watched, uh, are caught up on The Bad Batch, which the season two just started uh, this past Wednesday. Yesterday. Yes. Right, or two days ago now. Correct. 
Uh, and we're not going to spoil it because you know it just came out Wednesday. But you know, some real quick uh, impressions on the uh, the, season, uh, the the season two opener. Now, for me, I'm just going to go ahead and say it real. Uh, I binged the all of season one the previous night, last night, the before uh, to Wednesday night. Uh, um, actually, no, excuse me, Tuesday night going into Wednesday. So it took me like six hours, um, or. No, I'm sorry. It was Wednesday night. Regardless, I binged season one uh, and enjoyed it, and then I watched uh, season uh, the the first two episodes of season two uh, Thursday uh, before, like a few hours before the show. And um, yeah, I don't know. I still I, I still like the Bad Batch. I, there's a couple. Of, there's at least one character that I'm kind of liking more, and they, I'm glad they didn't go the way of making this character insufferable as they have done young characters in the past couple of shows or at least mm-hmm. starting out one of them is still kind of insu- uh, um, insufferable uh but has grown just a little bit talking about you as a bridger, bridger. Yeah. um but um overall yeah bad bad still in the felony verse still pretty some pretty good stories and uh there was a couple of stuff a couple of things in, in season one i was like okay i was wondering if they were uh, gonna mention some stuff here and there that was, you know, that came in at the end of uh, season seven, or it came in in the midst of season seven of the Clone Wars. Um, going into, it. but then again, some of that was also kind of a a back channel way to um, to premiere the Bat Batch anyway. So, but yeah, good stuff. There was nothing in particular I'd would, I would rather get into, but they're just kind of doing their stuff, and that was thinking that season one was going to end a different way than it did. And it, uh, I was kind of surprised that a uh, thing didn't happen. Yeah. This is all very fresh in Roddy Cat's mind because he just binged the first season. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to remember like what happened in the first season when I was watching these two episodes, you know, I was watching, you know, I realized that, uh, because there's two, there were two episodes to watch. I was not going to be able to get through them. Like I would on a regular release morning, like I, eating like breakfast, right? you know, or, or or something, or making coffee and eating breakfast, and just like pulling it up on like a tablet or something or a laptop. But um, I watched it, and uh, you know I understood you know why they had to do what they were doing. I wasn't necessarily a fan of some of the character developments, but I understand why. I know there was at least one of like, how did you not? Why are you ignoring this? What the? This is coming out. This is me watching, you know, season one stuff. Like, why are you ignoring this one glaring thing that's been going on? You know, that's been going on. That has been, uh, that should have been the priority, basically. You know, right. for for these uh, for these set of clones. <laughs> right. So, right. but otherwise, like I said, good. So we're getting singular episodes uh, starting next uh, Wednesday. So we will be back on track to at least talking about them up front in the show next week right and ultimately we won't be spoiling them because they will only have been out for a day when we talk about it so you know we'll do very broad stroke uh discussions about it yeah yeah but otherwise like i said liking it so still liking it um and with that can we get one last ad read you know it's late we're tired our last ad read of the night is for amazon keep our podcast free by shopping at amazon Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. 
purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today! You're muted. You're muted. Sorry. Uh, I was about to say, sorry. shout out to Rhea Perlman and shout out to Dee Bradley Baker because Dee Bradley Baker has been putting in a whole lot of work on that show as well. The other thing I was going to Oh, he has to do a lot of voices. Exactly. Like he does. I mean, the, it's similar voice, but he has to put nuance so it, it can be distinctly somebody else. Right. And also, um, shout out to Michelle Ang for, for the voice of um, um, uh, Omega. It was also kind of cute, which I didn't realize how old she was, but that's not saying anything one way or the other because. Um, um, pretty good um but yeah shout out to Rhea Perlman shout out to uh uh, uh um Wanda Sykes also who apparently get, who, who guest starred on the last well, one of the last episodes so uh and with that folks uh that ends the show uh it's been a particularly lengthy one at, at, the, at the the beginning but you know hopefully you in, enjoyed that talk uh, right, because no, we were reminiscing, you know, like shout out to P Rock and CL Smooth and and, and Mary J Blige. Um, you know, we were reminiscing about the last five hundred episodes and ten years, ten years plus of doing the show, and uh, you know, we had a lot. You know, like we we we. It turns out we had a lot more to reminisce and talk about, like how things have changed over the course of these five hundred episodes than we thought. Yeah. You know, because oh. went into like different aspects of all the things that we talk about on the show. Yeah, and hopefully, like like I said earlier, hopefully I'm gonna we're gonna get Matt. I'm definitely gonna get Matt back uh, for for a couple of things that I that I wrote down uh, that I didn't get a chance to to talk about, um, and maybe hopefully the other guys will be back uh, also for that conversation or for any conversation for that. You know, we know they they're doing their other things, but like so, hopefully they know they they have the, the tables open. They can come. Uh, through any time they can so and with that uh you can find this here podcast on the coastal of the podcast network i'm doing things a little bit different this is going to be funny uh it's coastal of the podcast network that's espn.us do it today uh you can also find this in your podcast browser place of choice whether it be google play apple itunes aka apple podcasts uh spotify or the coastal of the podcast network soundcloud page uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, at uh, twitch.tv slash Chronicles and youtube.com slash theclicknation. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and uh, give us the, you know, hit the, the subscribe button. Yes. And smash good that review. Button. Yeah, smash that like button. Uh, if you want to look at it, find us individually, I have been Rydercad. You can find me at Rydercad on Twitter. You can find me at News and Need Twitter on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. He said, basically said, Google him. He's out there for everything else. But also Pop Culture Net on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com is on brother sites there. In. And Tim, T-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, 
CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Cumberland Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. TheClickNation.com. And of course, over at comicbook.com, where he's over there writing his face off. And with that, folks, uh, we will see you same bat time, same bat channel next week. This has been the Cumberland Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.